It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, April 13th, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani inside our New York City studio back in New York. I was in Montreal again last weekend. And everyone is so fired up, <clears throat> excuse me, for UFC 186, I can't tell you just how fired up they are. There is a buzz emanating throughout the great city of Montreal for that event. Of course, that's one of the big stories of last week, UFC 186, which takes place in less than two weeks' time, continuing to dissolve in front of our eyes. Rampage Jackson now off the card, but it's still going on. So if you're a fan with the ticket, it's still happening. But we have a long time to talk about that. It was a good time in Montreal, by the way. Happy to be back. The weather outside is amazing. And guess what? Our neck of the woods, now very much in focus for the UFC. In five days' time, the UFC will be in beautiful Newark, New Jersey for UFC on Fox number 15. What a main event. People ask me, what's the people's main event? That's the people's main event, my friends. Luke Rockhold versus Lyoto Machida. It doesn't get much better than that at 185 pounds. Arguably the two best middleweights in the world, not named Vitor Belfort and Chris Weidman. Now, we were supposed to get Jacare Souza versus Yoel Romero in a four-man, one-night middleweight tournament, if you will. But sadly, on Friday, as first reported by our own Luke Thomas, Yoel Romero pulled out of the card. So it's now Jacare Souza versus Chris Camozzi, a rematch we never thought would happen. Credit to Chris Kamozi for stepping up on short notice. Uh, I, I know fans disappointed, and I, I saw a tweet by Chris Kamozi's brother, which I think laid it out pretty well. The same people who are complaining about Chris Kamozi stepping up on seven days' notice are the same people who probably would have complained if Jacques Ray Souza was taken off the card. You can't win sometimes. So kudos to him for stepping up. We'll talk about that as well on this show. We're coming off a very busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. One of those rare weekends where WSOF, Bellator, and the UFC all had events. Friday night, Will Brooks retaining his Bellator lightweight title over at uh, WSOF. Dave Branch winning in the main event, moving up to 205. Phoenix Jones, that was the big story, of course. He lost in his WSOF debut. And then how about Saturday afternoon in Krakow, Poland? Mirko Krokop turning back the clock after two uh, subpar rounds, <clears throat> defeating Gabriel Gonzaga via ground and pound TKO. That had to feel good for Mirko Filipovic, a rematch that he has wanted for eight years, probably eating him up inside that that highlight reel being played over and over and over again, him getting head kicked, knocked out, Bam! He wins. He exercises those demons. And uh, now it's interesting to see where he goes from here. I'm not so sure that Mirko Krokop is back, but it was fun to turn back the clock on Saturday in Poland. All right. What are we talking about today? As always, a lot to discuss. We look forward to hearing from you at around 3.30. Hit us up the usual way. You know it by now. We're going inside the vault at around 3.15. We got two for you. I mentioned their names earlier. Stick around for that. A very fun one. And uh, my first time interviewing the other guy. Stay tuned for that. Inside the Vault, 315. 
At 225, we're going to be joined by two fighters in studio, Eddie Truck Gordon, who will be competing this weekend at UFC on Fox 15, and also his teammate at Law MMA, Law Longo and Weidman MMA, Aljamain Sterling. Both of them are going to be in studio. They're both fighting this weekend in Newark. Eddie Gordon coming off that brutal head kick knockout by Josh Saman. Remember, he was knocked out at UFC 181. Sterling hasn't fought since July. Big prospect at 135. Looking forward to talking to them. At 205, we're going to talk to Chris Lieben. He has a book coming out in around a few months' time. Talk to him about that, retire, retired life and all that good stuff. How about Felipe Nova returning to the UFC? He's returning to the UFC on May 16th. He's returning to the UFC in their debut show in Manila, the Philippines. Felipe Nova, of course, of Filipino descent. Tough eight finalist. Remember Dana White comparing him to George St. Pierre way back when? Never worked out in the UFC. He gets a second crack in around a month's time. We'll talk to him at 145. We're also going to talk to Mark Coleman at 125, get an update on his, his health situation, that GoFundMe account and, 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 and the whole um, donation thing that was going on with him. Fans donating to him around $45,000 already donated to him. Mark Hunt giving him $5,000, had an infection in his hip. Uh, a sad story. His spirit's pretty high right now, all things considered. We'll talk to the Hammer at around 125. But first, let us go to the phone lines and welcome in a man who has been killing it at MMAfighting.com. He has been in fuego. Unbelievable stuff as of late since joining the team he has really been uh, a workhorse, and it's a pleasure to work with him. He is our very own Mark Ramundi joining us right now via the phone. Mark, are you there? Hey, wow, what an introduction. Thanks, man. I yes, appreciate that. Yes, well-deserved. I'm a little disappointed. I was looking forward to seeing you on the Skype machine, but uh, technical difficulties, as always, rearing their ugly head, so we have to settle for listening to your wonderful voice. Um, you've had a very Letting busy- my fans down. Yes. Letting my the Mark fans down. No, no Skype working. Come on. If I said to you, Mark, what was the biggest story of this past weekend with WSOF, Bellator, UFC, all in action, Phoenix Jones, much hype debut, not living up to the hype, at least on Friday, Will Brooks doing his thing, Joe Schilling uh, also losing on Friday, and then, of course, Mirko Krokop, but you had some other notables on that polling card as well, Joanne Calderwood uh, losing a very important fight as well. What was the biggest story, though, of the entire weekend, in your opinion? Well, I'm probably biased uh, with this question because I was at Bellator on Friday night and, and a really unique thing happened where um, Andy Foster, the executive officer of the California State Athletic Commission, opened up pretty much all of the proceedings um, that, that the commission does during, during you know, fight nights. He opened it all up to media. Um, so, you know, me and a handful of other reporters were there. We were inside all the commission meetings. We did a walkthrough with the, with the doctors to see what they go through during fight nights. We shadow judged during the fights, and then we sat in on, on the commission meeting post-fight, and we heard Andy Foster kind of critique the judges and referees, which is a really enlightening experience because uh, for a long time, I, you know, I think accountability and, and uh, transparency have been needed with commissions, and, and that's really what Andy Foster did by bringing media and having us you know, see all that stuff on Friday. So what did you learn? I mean, I mean, was this really an enlightening process in the sense that you're like, wow, I didn't know that you guys have to deal with this. I don't know that you guys think this way. I mean, what was the biggest takeaway, if not, you know, one, two, three things that you learned from Friday? I would say that this was probably one of the top five wow. experiences of, uh, of, my, of my career. Wow. Um, because, first of all, I think it's really easy to, to 
look at the judges and see some of the strange decisions and say, what are they doing? Like, you know, who are these guys? They don't know anything that, you know, what what are they talking about? But when you're actually in that position and it's just, it's just you and the fight and there's no commentary, there's no Twitter, there's no crowdsourcing to see who, you know, who thinks who won in close rounds, it can be really, it can be really (laughs) easy to miss things, especially when, um, you know, California allows a monitor so you can watch like the fights on, uh, like on TV. But, you know, there are blind spots in the cage, even when you're sitting right there. It's really hard to, to see everything that happens. And there's no, you don't really have the benefit of instant replay in some cases, like fans do. So, you know, there, there are definite difficulties that, that are involved. And we, we, um, we kind of got a crash course seminar in judging with, with John McCarthy, who's obviously, you know, the godfather of MMA refereeing. He's a judge. You know, he, he trains judges and refs. And uh, there was something that I didn't know. Um, like, I think there, there's a, kind of a, a misconception with uh, aggression and cage control. Those are only significant factors if, if effective grappling and effective striking are even. So you don't even look at cage control and aggression unless, unless there, there's complete even, even uh, a matchup between the striking and the grappling, but mm-hmm. between both guys. So... It's really all about um, the da- like damage done in striking and the person who tries to finish the fight with submissions, and that's the person that should win every round. And that seems simple, but it's really it's really not. Like you know, and he, he used the the recent ally Quinta George Mazadal fight as an example of this, where I Quinta was pushing the action, he was more aggressive, he was throwing more punches, but uh, but Mazadal at least in two rounds was doing more damage and he was being more quote effective in his, in his striking. Mm. So I mean I, I think it's I think it's very interesting. I think um, a lot of judges don't actually judge that way, and a lot of fans don't judge that way. But that's the that's the actual proper way to judge. Yeah. And um, a cool thing, you know, after after the fights were over, um, Andy Foster, the executive officer of, of uh, CSAC, actually went over the scorecards and actually took some of the judges to task for what huh. they what they scored. In and front of you guys, you know, in front of you guys. In front of us, yeah, we were we were we were there. We saw the whole thing, and one of the you know most interesting things that in in the second round of the Brian Rogers versus Joey Beltran fight, uh, Beltran was really laying it on Rogers, and it was really close to being stopped. Uh, Mike Beltran was the referee, um, which is kind of interesting that Mike Beltran was the referee and Joey Beltran was fighting. But that's neither here nor there. Conflict um, of interest, yes. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, but uh, Beltran, you know, it was very close to being a stoppage. A lot of people thought it should have been a stoppage. And Andy Foster actually kind of took Mike Beltran's attack for not stopping that fight, you know, in the second round where where it should have been stopped. So I thought that was very interesting. That you know, I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a kind of a misconception that the judges and referees kind of just skate by without any accountability. But at least in California, that's yeah. not the case. You know, Andy Foster in he, in front of everybody, he he lets everyone know like you did, you're, you were wrong. What you did was wrong. He continues to be one of the best commissioners. Uh, in MMA, in combat sports, I should say. I mean, look what he did at UFC 184 where he tested for urine and blood on fight night the entire card, and how about that? Every fighter passed. Now, let me ask you this. How many fights did you actually judge? I judged judged all of the main card and except for one. I didn't judge any of the post-limbs. Okay, and and how'd you do? Like, Did you sit next to the same judge the entire time? No, we all rotated. I sat. I sat with Mike Beltran. I sat with Mike Bell. 
sat with John McCarthy. Um, I sat with you know pretty much everyone that was uh, judging that night. We, we, we all moved around to different spots in the octagon, and, and every every different spot, I shouldn't say octagon. Yes, how dare course, you? Every spot, every spot on the cage has a different angle, and and you know it's it's not always easy to see what what's actually happening. Okay, so so you can't talk to the judge while the fight is going on, right? Not while not while the actual action is happening, but in between rounds, we did discuss things and. I honestly kudos to them because they they welcomed us and and most of the time when judges are in the news it's bad you know it's it's, yes. a, it's a it's a bad headline and it's negative but they could not have been more professional and and welcoming the media and they explained to us what was going on and I, I don't know I think that I think that next time I I see a bad decision I may I may think differently about you know bashing the judge after after kind of experiencing what I did on Friday. So how often did your score? agree with the judges score how often did you get it right in that sense i would say i would say um it varied because friday night had a lot of close fights the one of the most interesting decisions was the the beltran going back to the beltran rogers fight where the second round really should have been a 10-8 for beltran because he almost finished the fight it was so close to being finished it probably should have been finished it should have been a 10-8 but even after going through you know john mccarthy's crash course everyone all the media members there could not pull the trigger on a 10-8. And what do we always say? What does everyone always say on Twitter, you know, in the media? Got to give more 10-8s. And all of us had the opportunity to do that on Friday, and none of us did it. We could not pull the trigger on it. And uh, I thought that was really interesting, and that was very, that was very tough. Um, I didn't I didn't score that at 10-8. Um, I should have. Um, I scored the first round of the Will Brooks-Dave Jansen fight for Will Brooks. Everyone else had it for Dave Jansen, so I was wrong there. It's not as easy as it looks. It's really not. And how often did you notice the judge watching the monitor as opposed to the, the action in front of him, and vice versa? It, um, it varies. Every judge is different. John okay. McCarthy really prefers never to look at the monitor. She prefers to, to see the action and see. He really looks at how, they, how the fighter reacts to things that happen that happens in the fight. He likes to see, you know, what, what hurts them, what does damage. That's really his big, those are like his big buzzwords. Um, and uh, the monitor is really there as kind of like a backup. Like, you really should be watching the action. But a lot of times, and, and from what, what Marcos Rosales actually said in, uh, in the post-fight commission meeting, is that Bellator is actually very hard to see because it's a circular cage. There aren't any angles. So you really can only see maybe about 75% of the cage from where you're, from where you're sitting as a judge. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is kind of like a blind spot. So the, the monitors are, are, I mean, I think they're necessary and some states don't allow them, which I think is crazy. Yeah. It's, in states that don't allow monitors, it's very, very easy to miss things that happen in the fight. But, you know, if someone if the, if the grappling is going on in a corner somewhere away from you, it's hard to see what's happening. It's hard to see what's effective and what's not and what's doing damage and who's going for submissions. And it's, it's not easy. It is not easy. Well, this is fascinating stuff. And I'm assuming you're going to write something about this and, and kind of lay it all out, your experience. Yeah, I'm not sure when it'll be published, but probably today or tomorrow. And by the way, are those post-fight commission meetings, at least in California, common? Do they do that every time, or did they do it because you guys were there? They do it every single time. Oh, and I actually overheard one of these at, um, at Bellator in Fresno back in, I think, January. I, I, we, were, we, were in the, we were in, like, waiting for Scott Coker to come and talk. And I, he- I heard Andy Foster uh, like talking to some of the judges and heard Dean and John McCarthy and kind of asking them what, you know, 
defend themselves at some of the decisions that they made during during the fight. And that really got me thinking, like, wow, I don't know if, if every commission does this, but that's invaluable. I mean, pretty much being called out in front of your peers to discuss why you made a decision during the fight. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's accountability right, you know, right there. So other than Mark Ramundi's night out with the judges, I think another big story this, <laughs> uh, this weekend, of course, was the return of Mirko Krokop and him winning. And every time something like this happens, people are, are prone to say, Mirko is back. I can't wait to see him fight this guy, that guy, this guy. Do you subscribe to that, or do you think, okay, you know, he was losing, and, and you tell me, you're, you're the judging master now. He was probably losing those first two rounds. He pulls one out of his hat. is great. He got the monkey off his back, all that stuff. But I'm not really so sure that Mirko Krokop is back. No, no, not back. I mean, what, what, is that, what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to be fighting for a title? <laughs> no. He's, he's an attraction. He's an attraction. He's a guy that can headline, you know, fight pass cards, maybe Fox Sports 1 cards. He said himself he'd, ra- he'd rather stay in Europe. And the UFC is running a lot of shows in Europe, or at least they plan to run a lot of shows in Europe this year. So, you know, he's a guy that can headline. There, there, are, there are a number of heavyweights that he could possibly fight, yeah. but, you know, he's not going to be fighting, you know, any of the young and hungry up-and-coming guys. He's going to be fighting the guys like, you know, Antonio, Rodrigo, Noguera, maybe like a Josh Barnett, someone who... You know, it's from his era, you know, his, you know from his, his prime, you know, years. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Yeah. Wouldn't it be something, though, if 40-year-old Mirko Krokop, and again, I don't want to go down this route, but wouldn't it be something if, if Mirko Krokop says, I've been waiting for this moment for eight years, I got my opportunity, I exercised those demons, peace out, it's been a fun ride. I've done enough, right? Would that be, wow, wouldn't that be commendable? It would be commendable, and, and it probably won't happen. No. How often? How often do you? I mean, come on! How often do you really see that? And no, you don't. If you win a fight. How many guys, you know, win a great fight? They're, you know, they're on, they're on a high, they're on a winning streak, yeah. and they and they step away. There haven't been many. There really haven't been many. And I, I don't see that happening with Krokop either. I couldn't help but feel sorry for Gabriel Gonzaga. Let's be honest. Gabriel Gonzaga is not fighting in a main event unless he's fighting Krokop. This this uh, this story was a nice one to sell and all that stuff. I mean, he has been kind of you know subpar as of late. But you can't help but feel bad for the guy, and I don't think it takes away from what he did eight years ago. But there he is with this massive scar on his face. He had just been bloody beat up. It's like, man, did I really have to go through this? You know, like you kind of you kind of took away my moment in, in a sense. Like now there's there's a rebuttal to that knockout. I don't think it it devalues the knockout. I don't think anyone will remember it less. They'll probably remember it more at the end of the day than this one because it was a much bigger moment at the time. Krokop was probably fighting for the chance to to fight Randy Couture for the belt. But I don't know. Part of me just really felt bad for him in that moment. Do you get what I'm saying? I get what I'm saying, but that's how it goes in the fight game. Yeah. You know, that's what happens. And nothing can take away from what he did, you know, in 2007, that last fight. Nothing can take away from that. That was, it's going to go down. It's going down right now as one of the, the most shocking knockouts and one of the, the coolest moments in UFC history. And he'll always have that. So regardless of what happens in, in this fight, in, in Poland on a you know Saturday morning in the States, doesn't really matter. I mean, he, he got it done really when it counted when both guys were in their prime. He, he derailed Mirko Krokop's career, and, and no one can take that away from him. The other big story, of course, on Saturday afternoon in Poland, Marina Moroz coming out of nowhere, calling out Ioanni on Jacek afterwards, the, the hometown favorite after she defeated Joanne Calderwood in pretty shocking fashion. Kudos to Robert Sargent of MMA Rising for letting everyone know that we should not be looking past Marina and that, you know, a Joanne Calderwood title shot, as perhaps some like myself were pushing for in, in Scotland, was, was 
not even close to uh, 100% going into that fight, and, and clearly it wasn't after the fact. So what, what do you do now with the strawweight champion? What, what do you do? Do you do the Claudia Gadelia rematch? Are you looking at someone else? Because now it's, it's pretty much wide open. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that the most logical answer is to, to go with Claudia Gadelia. That fight in December was so close. Yeah. And I actually want to go back and watch that fight again after I had the John McCarthy crash course in judging. And, and judge that fight again. Because the first time around, I did have uh, Yandrashik winning. I did. I know a lot of people had Gadelia winning. I think it makes sense to do it again. Right now, the other contenders in the division, it's a very wide-open division that's still kind of sorting itself out. A lot of, a lot of the fighters in that, in that women's 115 division have less than 10 career fights, and we don't really know what the hierarchy is outside of, you know, Ioana and, like, you know, Carla Esparza and, and Claudia. I think that it only makes sense to give Gadelia a, a re, you know a rematch, but there are other contenders that are that are that are coming up, but they all pretty much all of them are booked right now. So it's it's a it's a wide open division, and I really I really like the division. I think the division has a lot of promise because it's so wide open. It's the, it's kind of the opposite of, of women's 135 where yeah. there's, there's Ronda Rousey at the top and there's everyone else. This division is like who knows? You know this the, the title could change. change multiple times in a year, as good as, as good as the Andrzejczyk is. I, th- I think it's a really cool division. Yeah, and the rankings really mean nothing. I, I, one of my, th- my favorite things about following you on Twitter is that you have like these, these thoughts that just come out of nowhere. Like you're really, I picture you really sitting there contemplating MMA and, and you just feel the need. It's like, I, I don't call it hot takes. They're very, they're very innocent and, and they're all, you know, they're all on point, but it's like, quote, part of me wouldn't mind seeing Marina Moroz against Felice Herrig, against the Felice Herrig Paige Van Zandt winner. I don't know. Women's 115 is wide open. And this is like, what time is this? This is at 8 p.m. Eastern, hours after the fight. Just, I just picture you sitting there and being like, hmm, looking into the, the distance in, the, in, your, in your Hollywood apartment. It's like you're really contemplating this stuff. I appreciate it. I have um I have like uh this like jonesing for for matchmaking for some reason I'm kind of like a I'm kind of like an amateur uh, format with Joe Silva where I'm just kind of like thinking about like what's what's in the future what makes sense you know I think that fans do it too and I, whenever whenever I, I uh, whenever I tweet uh, like a matchmaking thing whenever I say like oh well, this person should face this person I get a I get a great response from from fans I think that's what the, I think that's one of the cool things about MMA is is seeing what's next like what, what's next for this person yeah that's what everyone's always looking at you know if someone wins the first thing you say well who's gonna who's program gonna fight next everyone wants to know you know that's one of the questions that i get to ask after every single every single fight and i think that's kind of one of the cool things about about combat sports when the ufc announced that chris Camozzi would be stepping in to fight jacare souza on saturday what was your immediate reaction my immediate reaction was like all right, we, we kind of know how this how this is going to go, but man, you can't you have to give Chris Camozzi credit. No one else wants to do this. No one else wants to to come in and fight Jacare on on short notice. I don't blame them. Jacare is a, is a, is a killer. Who would want to fight that guy on, on short notice? But Chris Camozzi's done it twice now, so you can't you can't not give the guy props. But it, you know, it's it's kind of a fight where you know what's going to happen. Jacare is going to you know get a win over him and and going to move on and fight somebody else, but. Hey, no one else is willing to step willing to step up, and I for one really enjoy watching Jacare fight. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. I would watch Jacare fight like a mop. It doesn't matter. So I, I would be. I'm just interested in seeing him fight and, and go to work and, and and do do what he does on the ground against someone like Chris Camozzi. I have no problem with watching that. It's not. It's not. I mean, I wanted that. I wanted to see that Romero Jacare fight so bad, but yeah, what a bummer. I'll, I'll take. 
Yeah, I'll take Jacare against someone rather than no Jacare at all on, on this card. You wrote an article about this. The Homer in me really wanted to see the Bisping Jacare fight move to <laughs> UFC 186. And I hate when people do this when they're just like, oh, yeah, rock him, sock him, robots. Put this guy in there against that guy. Uh, I don't care that Bisping's been training for CB Dalloway. Who cares? Just save the card. Of course, there, there are a lot of problems involved there, most notably that CB Dalloway would be left without an opponent. But that's the, the scenario that I like the most. They saved the day, I guess, by by keeping Jacare on the card. Of course, Rampage left that huge void at UFC 186. Are you surprised that the judge ruled in favor of Bellator? I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that the UFC went through with this and the UFC came so soon. I have a hard time believing the UFC didn't know there'd be some kind of pushback with Bellator. I think everyone kind of realized that when they signed Rampage and, and Rampage said that he decided that to terminate his own contract, that something was a little bit fishy. Mm. And once once Bellator said that lawyers were, were going to get involved, I mean, at, at that point, I don't think anyone was surprised that, that Rampage just pulled off the card. I thought that UFC would, the UFC would try to maybe hash it out legally first and then book Rampage instead of having to... I mean, they put themselves in a bad position. They put, they put a guy in a prime spot, in a co-headlining spot, when they didn't know if he was going to fight, for sure. I'm sure they thought that, that he did, but... I mean, there was there was legal proceedings going on, so I, I'm not I'm not sure what they were thinking in that regard, but I'm I'm not surprised by that. Speaking of feeling bad, I I do feel bad for Demetrius Johnson because I feel like this is set up to bring all this hate on his shoulders. Like if he was fighting in the co-main event of UFC 189 or 187, one of those great cards, no one would talk about it. And I think a lot of people agree that Horiguchi, you know. Whether or not you may think he needs one or two more fights, he's probably the next guy in line with Dotson needing a, a comeback fight and all that stuff. But now the, the spotlight is put on DJ because the rest of the card fell apart, and I feel like he's going to get crapped on and, and blamed if there are bad pay-per-views and ticket sales and all that stuff. It just doesn't really seem fair. It's not his fault that he's that much better than everyone. It's not his fault that his challengers you know, don't speak English or don't do any promoting. It just, I, I don't know. I feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad for a lot of people these days. What can I say? <laughs> well, I'm time here, I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't feel bad for Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson is right. one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. He He's a guy that he he values the, the competition more than the promotion and, and more than the, the, the marketing and all that other stuff. He's fine. Like you said, it's not his fault that he doesn't have many top contenders. My, my problem with that is that they're not really letting that, the division develop and they're not letting uh, they're not really letting uh, contenders get seasoning and, and kind of build themselves up like Horiguchi, you know, in a couple of fights that might have been a legitimate fight that might have been you know really interesting um, you know build up, but now he, you know he's not ready. I just hope they don't do the same thing with Henry Cejudo because I think Henry Cejudo is the next guy in line that could really really be um, you know a, a tough fight for Johnson. I don't want to see him get that next title shot if uh, if uh, if Mighty Mouse beats Horiguchi. I hope they build up Sejudo because he, I mean, he's such a good wrestler, really, you know, an improving striker. That's a really good fight down the line, but don't rush it. You know, don't 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 rush it because there's no one else. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, of course. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's a tough spot, and uh, something tells me if he wins in Mexico, he will be put on that fast track. But John Dotson coming back is is uh is good for the division as well because i think that's a rematch that a lot of people would get behind great stuff mark as always thank you so much for the time i look forward to that article about uh judging and and your experience on friday at bellator and uh, once again sorry we couldn't see your face but your voice it it, it did it for me it, it did so i thank you 
<laughs> Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. There he is, Mark Ramundi of MMAfighting.com. Let us move along now, and let's welcome in another Mark. Of course, this man has accomplished a hell of a lot more in the world of mixed martial arts, a true legend, first-ever UFC heavyweight champion, Hall of Famer, beloved by his peers and fans alike. We're talking about the hammer himself, Mark Coleman, joining us right now on the phone. Mark, how are you? Well, I'm doing okay, Ariel. How are you? Thank you for uh, those kind words. Well, Mark, it is a pleasure to have you on the phone. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Great to talk to you, as always. I think a lot of fans just wondering right off the top before we get into everything, how are you feeling physically? How are you feeling on this Monday afternoon? Well, I, I thought you were going to ask me some fight questions. We could talk about that later. You went right, you jumped right to my uh, hip, huh? Well, people care about you, and, and that's a major reason why I think you're, you know, you're in the news. If, if you'd rather not talk well, I, about it. No, I have no problem. I appreciate it, Ariel. And uh, they're... Uh, I was going to ask you what's the special occasion that you're bringing uh, the old hammer on your show because uh, you are a top dog, I, from what I understand. Maybe I'm wrong. It's going to piss a lot of other reporters off. But yeah, you're probably wrong. You're doing well. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're doing well, and well, thank you for having me on the show. Basically, uh, I don't want to jab on like I always do too good. Um, I went in for I, I got a hip replacement surgery two years ago. It felt great. But um, some things went wrong down the line. It popped out five, six times um, after the, I did the Ultimate Fighter show. Tough, and it was fine there, and that was that was a great experience. But when I got back home, uh, basically, uh, it was just popping out. You know, once once a freaking week, and uh, that's uh, I don't like pain. You know, what I mean, my job when I went out there fighting them, I was my goal was not to get hit, hit the other guy. But um, uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm basically walking around scared to bend over, scared to do anything because of this thing. I finally get back into the surgeon, and uh, okay, he decides he's gonna not replace the whole hip that he did two years ago. He was just gonna change the ball and uh, socket, bigger ball, more sturdy, what have you, and go from there. Because it did feel like, it did feel great, you know, until maybe I messed it up or I don't know. But uh, it, it felt great, and uh, I was out there doing wrestling. I don't know if that was a smart thing. I don't think that was um, surgeon's directions. But uh, um, so anyways, uh, so it's a, it, not a simple procedure, but for this, for this guy, a simple procedure. He's not taking the whole hip out. He's just, everything looked good. He's just going to put a ball and socket back in there, a different one. When he cut me open, um, basically he, he saw a, a big old mess of some sort of staph infection or whatever. And it was everywhere. So change of plans. He had to, uh, you know, he, he does six guys in a row, so he's got it all scheduled out. He planned me for about 45-minute procedure, and all of a sudden he's got to take that old, whole hip out because it's just loaded with infection and put a temporary one in. And now the temporary one I have right now is just it, it's just made to, to, to help heal and, and get rid of this infection because... Uh, you know, I, I've known about infections for a long time. I mean, my buddy Kevin Randleman, I didn't understand it, but now I do. What he went through over the years, it's just unbelievable because, yes, I'm all, I, and, and 
So now they got a temporary hip in there and um, basically uh, supposed to lay in the bed and I got a few few exercises I can do. The hip's not made for walking, so I can't walk it and repair it and build it up, but hopefully uh, hopefully uh, I, I get I got a, just had a nurse leave today, but uh, my girlfriend Tina has been helping me, you know, I got three times a day, I, I got to shoot some powerful antibiotics in my arm. I, I got a pick in the arm, and uh, I just got to hope that uh, right now it's, it shows that the, the antibiotic is working and and my levels are going down, so I need to get rid of this infection so he can go back in there and put me in a, a new hip that I can rehab, rebuild, and hopefully just get back to... Uh, a relatively normal life because there's a lot of people out there with hip replacements uh, that are doing great, but right. I had some complications and maybe uh, I don't blame nobody, but who, nobody knows how long that infection was in there. I mean, it, it could have been in there since the day I had the surgery, but um, it just didn't really show too many signs of uh, an infection, you know, and there was no, you know, the scar, this and that, it was swollen up a little bit, but it wasn't red, the pain didn't set in, and uh, they actually tested me to, to, before he did this last surgery, he tested me to see if potentially there is an infection in there. It showed up negative, but uh, I guess it showed up negative because my levels were so high it didn't even register or whatever. So he cut me open and uh, changed the plans. Doctor had the uh, next thing you know. I woke up. It was five o'clock. I went in at ten, and and I was confused, and I didn't even know he didn't do the surgeries, you know, because I was loopy, and well, then I found out what had happened, and uh, basically, yes, I was, I was very emotional. I was all medicated up. I did some stupid interviews uh, at, at the beginning, so I stopped doing them, and I'm just trying to. I gotta, you know, right now I'm just different attitude i'm just taking this like a fight and uh i gotta fight through this and i gotta just hope uh the lord does his work and heals me up so i can get a new hip in there and move forward ariel and uh sorry that was such a long answer no no and i i appreciate it i appreciate you taking the time to to recount it all i know again i know a lot of people are pulling for you and more to that point a month ago your good friend wes sims started this gofundme account and you've received $45,360 in donations. Uh, one of the notable ones, Mark Hunt, donating $5,000. Did you know about this when he set it up? And what was your reaction when you found out that all these people were willing to, you know, donate to your cause? Well, you know, the, these are the questions I couldn't handle. Uh, I did interviews, and uh, they happened so fast, and... and you know, I, you don't want to, thankfully, a couple interview people didn't even air it because uh, I broke up, you know. I was, uh, I didn't know what Wes was doing. I didn't know what he did. And then uh, it took off so fast. It was just so humbling. You know, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I was just so overwhelmed. And I don't want to single out anybody, but. You know, Mark Hunt, man, I love the guy. I've met him probably about four or five times in Japan and just always happy, smiley, 
And back then he had a nice big belly. That's why he was happy and smiling. <laughs> but he still, you know, he still knocked you out. But uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to single him out. Sure, sure, of it, course. It, Everyone it, deserves it, it. it. It's, yes, even down to some people donated, uh, I don't know what the minimum was, but you know, some some people put three dollars in there, I think, or maybe five dollars, a lot of five dollars, and maybe like some eight dollar ones. And uh, you just gotta think, geez, you know, you you know that guy might have needed that more than I do because it, it just whatever for some reason. Hopefully, it's been. And hopefully, it's because I've been good to the fans, and I like to call them friends because I'm a fan as well, but. When I meet somebody, I try to treat them good, and maybe that's why I did get this response. I know, I know, you're you're a very proud man. Initially, were you a little upset? You're, you know, some people were like, "I don't need your help. I'll figure it out on my own," or you know, or did you have a different reaction? Because I could see it going either way. Well, of course, I'm a proud man, and I, I don't, I, I, I don't like to be in this position. But I put myself in this position. That's the fact. Uh, uh, I, I I made some good money, but uh, made some mistakes, and uh, basically I put myself in this position that I, you know, I didn't know it was going to be set up. But at, at that point, um, I'm in no position to, to to say I don't want it. Right. So, proud man, I don't care. I'm grateful, thankful, and uh, you know maybe somehow. I can return the favor to all these people, every one of them. I just, you know, I just got to make sure uh, I, I can't, I can't send all these messages to so many people because I don't even really know. But maybe I can eventually. But that would take me until uh, I'm dead, Ariel. What, what's it you like know, for you, Mark? <laughs> what's it like for you to see your old running mate in Pride, a man you fought ten years ago, almost exactly ten years ago, Mirko Krokop? fighting this weekend in the UFC, winning. Did you know about that? Did that lift your spirits at all? Oh, man. I'm, I'm a huge fan of all the old school guys. You have to be. You you, you have no choice. And uh, he's one of the few left. And, uh, yeah, when I fought him in pride, he was in his prime, and uh, he flat out whooped me, and he felt like uh, uh, he, he was one of the strongest men I ever touched. But, uh, uh yeah, it was, it, it was disappointing for me when he did get such a bad rap in the UFC. But I, I the guy obviously just loves to fight, and he, he his body's holding up. That's what the beauty of it. His body must be holding up, and he's able to train. And people don't quit when they still know they can knock somebody out like he did. You're not going to give up. Fighters just don't give up, so I'm glad. I'm just so happy his body's holding up. Uh, I'm a, you know, I have, you know, I wouldn't call him a good friend, but uh, of course I'm a fan of his. Mm. And uh, when anytime there's only a few of the older school guys left, and uh, of course I pull for him, but I, I'm a fan of so many. That you must know, have lifted so your spirits, right? Up. To see him do well. I mean, me. that must have lifted your yeah, spirits a little bit. Right? Yeah, of course it did. A lot of times when my spirits get lifted, I I love watching the UFC. You still do. Um, well, yeah, but I'm I'm not going to deny. Sometimes it it, it it really eats at your heart because you you know you just you're always going to miss it. I do 
I'm not speaking for every fighter, but I think uh, 95% of us uh, wish we were 10 years younger yeah. and could be in there doing it again. But, yes, I watch it, and uh, um, wow, you know, these guys are amazing. Can you imagine me going a five-minute five rounder? That wouldn't be a pretty sight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, one time I did do it. I went 24 with both chances over there in uh, Japan, 24 straight, so. I could have pulled it off back in the day, but these guys go five five minute rounds, and at the end of the fight, there, uh, if there isn't a finish, they're 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 hardly even breathing. Obviously, we're talking about little guys, sure. upper weight. They're of course breathing. It's usually probably over, but uh, these these guys are just such incredible athletes. And you know, I've always backed wrestling, so I might as well throw it on here now. Look at them wrestlers. Yep. Look at them wrestlers, man. Look at just unbelievable but time will just it, everything everybody had their time and uh everybody was worried these wrestlers were taking people down ground and pounding this you know i remember that time and there and everybody wanted to change the rules and i i realized just give it time because everybody is going to learn how to wrestle and now with the way i see it is it's just too hard to take somebody down with no shoes on and slippery and once you do take a person down there's always a way out. So you spend so much energy taking the guy down. Maybe you get a little bit of ring control, but that's why it's all stand-up. I mean, I'm, I'm just impressed that, that how these wrestlers are able to adjust. But it, but now in hindsight, I just didn't really do it enough. And have, I didn't have the proper coaches or I didn't listen to who I was with. But these wrestlers are able to adjust. Because it's the same in wrestling. Boxing is the same. Similar footwork. Only these guys... You know, I'm, I'm just amazed how good they've gotten with their hands. So many of them. Is, and, uh, well, the, the other guys, uh, yeah, the other guys have been doing it all their life. They're great as well. And, uh, well, I always uh, I always had a game plan going out there and uh, trading. But uh, just uh, every time I walked out there, you know, uh, I, I planned on throwing some punches, but I just seen a pair of legs in front of me, and I couldn't resist uh taking the guy down and grabbing him, you know what I mean? But I, I had some pretty good sparring sessions in practice. That was uh, that was real fun without the lights on, with nobody watching. You know, that's fun. But to do it underneath the lights, I never could pull the trigger. But I hit pretty hard on the ground at least. I didn't lay and pray. Once in a while I laid and pray because <laughs> I had to. But, uh, you know, usually when I went for a rib or something, I was trying to bruise it up. Mark, is there a name or two when you hear he's fighting or she's fighting the hammer's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta clear my schedule. I need to be in front of the TV. Who really gets you excited these days? Mm, I'm, I'm definitely not gonna single anybody out, but okay. uh, the, the, there's just so many, so many that you know. And I'm not gonna deny, I do like the main events. You sure. know, I do like watching the main events, and these guys are putting together some, some great cards. And uh, well, most of them, I would, I would most likely be in front of would like to be in front of a TV watching, you know, but, uh, there's always, you know, just, I'm not going to single anybody out, but I tell you what, me and Matt Brown have become pretty good friends here. He's in Columbus. We've done a little podcast together and, yep. uh, you know, I, but, but, I'm, but yes, I love him to death, you know, Matt Brown. And I think he's fighting Diaz coming up here. Is that yep. official? Yeah. He's fighting uh, Nate Diaz July 11th. Matt, 
in Las Vegas. Yes, that, that, that just, I can't wait for that. I mean, that's so interesting to me. And uh, to me, damn, he's got to be Nate Diaz. <laughs> guy coming up. Come on, Matt Brown's going to win this one. He just got, that is one hell of a load. They're all loaded, but that weight class is so stacked. In my opinion, I, I understand that uh, you recently caught up with your old friend Gary Goodridge. He came to to see you, and 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 if that's true, I think I saw a picture of you two together. How's he doing? Well, Gary, he's always got a smile on his face, and uh, you know, yeah, we, we we were we were we got pretty tight after we had our little little dance in the in the Oxcon. We became really good friends. I actually started trying to show him how to wrestle, but. Uh, you know, we haven't seen Sean in quite some time, but he, he had uh, about three or four bookings in, in Dayton, Ohio, which is 45 minutes from where I'm at. And uh, he got a promoter, and the guy lined him up five or six uh, bookings in the week. So he drove up, and the first thing he did was come down, and uh, he wanted to see me. Big Daddy wanted to see me, so and it was nice to see him. And... Uh, uh, actually, I signed a bunch of pictures, and he insisted I sign a bunch of pictures because he's gonna, on his little tour, he's gonna try to push them, you know, to 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 raise some money for me, which uh, that's that's wow. pretty neat. That's pretty neat. But uh, uh, yeah, we took some pictures, and the thing is, uh, either he shrank, cause I, I thought I shrank, <laughs> but uh, I remember Big Daddy being. He claims to be six three, but. Uh, Man, I was, he was looking up at me a little bit. He, he couldn't believe. He goes, I don't remember you being this tall. And I said, well, I am standing straight up, Big Daddy, and this is my longer leg. My left leg's longer than my right leg right now. So, you know, it was just funny. But he just he was just really looking at me like, oh, did you get taller? I said, I think you got shorter, Big Daddy. But, uh, no, he looked good. He looked good, and uh, it was just good to see him. And how's he doing? I'm not really sure. I know he's got uh I know he's got his own little injury issues right. going on. Yeah. You know, and I don't I don't know the details, so I don't want to go into it, but uh he's got other stuff coming up too, other injuries that he's gonna have to get taken care of. But uh you know, I'm I'm you know, I, I don't wanna go into it, but uh yeah, I'm I'm concerned about Big Daddy, you know. I wanna ask you Love Mark guys. Love the guy. A lot, uh, I can understand if you want to keep this private, but I, I feel compelled to ask because a lot of people brought this up when the news of the, the, the GoFundMe thing came out. Uh, go ahead. A, a lot of people wondering if the UFC reached out to you, if they offered any kind of help at all. Hmm. Can you comment on that? Well, I, I, I've always had nothing but good things to say about UFC. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they, they, they took care of me great while I was with them. And... Uh, and then they they kept me a part of their organization uh, with the with the video games and the trading cards, this and that. They they didn't because you know if, if you if you say some things that are on your mind, like potentially Don Fry. Well, I, I think it cost Don Fry, but this guy he says what's on his mind. But you know, I think he's a Hall of Famer. But he, you know, we'll see what happens with with myself. Never had any problems with him. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Dana White sent me a text, actually gave me a call, see how I'm doing. Joe Silva called me and, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't know, um, 
you know, they're, they're potentially going to try to help me. Uh, one of the guys in there we're talking to, I'm trying to get my insurance changed over. Oh. Because it's, yeah, it's about to, it's, it's about to expire, but they are, they have reached out and offered, uh, I don't know if they're going to put me on insurance or they're just going to help me get insurance and I got to pay for it every month. I don't know, but the UFC has always been good, but Hey, you know, if they want to, they want to help out. That'd be great. Sure. And I, I don't like anything else, but, uh, yeah, I would, I'd love to end my career with the UFC because, uh, I've always been loyal to them and I love them. And, uh, That'd be great, you know, but if not, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do at this point. Oh, so Trying what, to figure it out. What's the timeline now? You have to wait to see if the infection goes down and then you'll go in uh, for the for the surgery to, to, to fix that hip. Is that is that what you're looking at? Do you have any idea when you might be able to do that so that you can start feeling better and get back on that feet, on those two feet of yours? Well, I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, my nurse left today and uh, she just told me uh, there's the specialist uh, reading uh, the red blood count, the red 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 cells, blue red cells, uh, white blood cells, and uh, uh, well, yeah, basically everything's dropping. But they were so freaking high, they have a long way to drop. So they're dropping, and everything everything seems to be going the right direction. But I'm I'm not positive uh, when I'm going to be able to get. I, you know, that's what I really that's the goal is the to get get rid of the infection, get this hip out of here, put a new one in there that I'm allowed to rehab, and uh, maybe I'll pay attention a little bit better this time and rehab the thing right instead of I kind of like I kind of took wrestling as I thought that was rehabbing my leg, but really it might have been beating it up. But it sure was fun, I tell you that. I felt young again at that tough show. Yeah, that was one of the coolest things I ever did. But uh, probably not the smartest thing, but no, hopefully. I don't know when they're going to clear me, but right now, basically, this hip ain't made for walking, and uh, there's pretty much, you know, I got I got my um, six-month-old baby daughter down there that, you know, I, I, you know, it'd be nice to be able to pick her up and do this and that, but no, I'm not, I'm not really supposed to do pretty much nothing until the new hip gets in there, and then I can start rehabbing the thing, but this one basically is just temporary and i got a little of these few exercises that i do on my back but uh you know <laughs> when you know the the therapist told me you know i know you're used to this kind of training but uh i can't overtrain the thing that's for sure there's only so much you can do and my legs always were skinny but uh yeah the atrophy is setting in especially on the right one the bad one because i'm probably favoring the other left hip but uh oh geez man It'd be it'd be a neat picture on the internet if I let somebody see my legs right now, especially with these pantyhose on. <laughs> well, Mark, I, <laughs> I, I wish you nothing but the best, and I speak for everyone when I say that. I I know the entire MMA community. You don't need me to tell you that they are all pulling for you. They 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 hold you in the highest of regards. You gave us a lot of great memories, and uh, it's a beautiful thing what your friend Wes did for you. And uh, you know, I I. I, I know that it's probably not the situation you want it to be in, but it's 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 rare to see a community, if you will, rally around a legend like they, they have around you. So hopefully you can get through this and everything goes well and you can replace that hip, get back on your feet. We can see you at events. 
loving life, being a big part of this sport because uh, you're, you're, you're a huge part of the sport, a huge part of the history of the sport. The sport wouldn't be where it is without you, without the hammer. So thank you for everything. Thank you for coming on to, uh, to talk about it. And I look forward to talking to you very soon in better spirits with more uh, happy things to discuss. Well, you're going to let me uh, answer you. Are you cutting me off? Your time short? I went over. No, it's just, you know, I don't want to take up too much uh, of your yeah, time. Like, like you said, I, I, do, I, I don't want to under, underplay how, how you know, it, I did when Wes did that, and all of a sudden the, the response, you're right. It was like, uh, uh, I didn't expect that. Yeah. I didn't know about it, and I didn't expect it. And, well, yeah, definitely boosted my spirits. And uh, maybe I went from feeling sorry for myself for a few days to this happened, but no. There's people out there with a lot worse problems than I got right now. So quit, quit complaining, and I'm just fighting this thing. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I, I hope to be involved with, with MMA, you know, until, until, until the day I die. Thank you, Mark. All the best. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Eric. You have a good day. There he is, the hammer himself. Great to hear from him. And if you want to learn more about that GoFundMe account, it's GoFundMe.com slash Save the Hammer. Currently $45,365 donated. Pretty amazing stuff. Kudos to all who donated. All right, let's move along. Let's welcome in a guest who uh, I, I would imagine is a pretty excited man these days. He is back in the UFC. He's getting a chance to fight on the first ever card in Manila in the Philippines. A huge deal for him personally. And uh, he gets to prove a lot of doubters wrong, I would imagine, as well. I'm talking about Felipe Nova, New York's own Felipe Nova, who fights on May 16th in Manila. He joins us right now on the phone. Felipe, how are you? I am in the best spirits ever. <laughs> so, you had a great introduction for me. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, man. This is a huge opportunity coming up for me, and uh, thanks for having me. I can't wait, can't wait for this event, man. This is going to be good for me. What was it like when you got that call that you were back in the UFC? And not only are you back in the UFC, you're fighting in the Philippines. Can you tell us what was going through your mind well, when you got that call? Wow. Uh, first, first off, I'd like to say that when I got that call, it was my birthday. Wow. In February. And, and I, I remember talking to Ali, my manager, kind of back and forth. And he was like, I'll let you know, brother. I'll let you know soon what, what happened, what's going on. So, and I said, man, I woke up that morning. I said, I wonder if I can get an answer you know, today. And that afternoon, Ali called me. He goes, brother, you're in the UFC. You got a multi-fight deal and you're fighting in the Philippines. And I said, yes, I fucking, I was outside. I was <laughs> jumping up and down. I was walking my dog and my dog just was looking at me like I was nuts. People in the street thought I was crazy. I was like doing backflips. So, uh, it's an absolute dream come true, man. And, uh, you know, and it's something that I've been working hard for so hard since I got that letter about five, five, six years ago that, you know, I had my walking papers from the UFC. I made it, I made it, you know, a, a goal to get back in, man. And I've been on the grind for the last five, six years. So this is, this is a huge, huge opportunity and a gift, you know, that I'm going to take very seriously, that I've been taking very seriously. Let's say there's a fan or two out there who hasn't seen you since that last UFC fight, February 6, 2010. I mean, it's been, wow, amazing. Five years it's been since you last fought in the UFC. Time flies. What's the yeah. difference between this Felipe Nova and that one? Uh, I think that, I think before I really got away with just having heavy hands, 
you know, a decent level jujitsu and zero wrestling. Um, in the last five years, I've been training with, I believe, the best in the world. Um, you know, I've been working on my wrestling, my MMA style wrestling. I've been working on my jujitsu. I've been working on everything. And I'm a completely different fighter. And I'm a lot smarter and a lot more mature now. And it's only going to reflect in the cage. Um, I think that I was definitely, I, I definitely impressed a lot. I think uh, when I was on the show, uh, I was definitely beating people up. And when I got to the big stage, uh, I kind of, I kind of just was like a deer in the headlights. And the jitters got to me. Might might have been a little bit. I really don't know. Uh, my talent wasn't there. I think. But now I think that uh, since leaving the UFC and and fighting in Bellator and fighting in smaller shows and and I did win a local belt. And I think I'm primed and ready. You know, I'm training with some of the best in the world right now, and my coaches are the best in the world. So, you know, you're going to see a new, improved Felipe Nova out there. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about the show because everyone remembers Dana White comparing you to GSP, even Anderson Silva. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of expectations on your shoulders, and, and a lot of people were, you know, some were looking forward to seeing you live up to that, and I think maybe some were kind of secretly hoping that you fail. I think that's the society that we live in. Yeah. In hindsight, yeah. was that was that was that a bad thing that happened? Like do you almost wish that he didn't say those things that there wouldn't have been all that pressure on your shoulders? You know, I think as a fighter, no matter what, uh, we have so much pressure from every everything out there, whether it's at home, the media, whether it's you know, I, I think Dana said those things because he just wanted to compliment me. Um and you know, and, and I I might have taken it to, to my head where, wow, I, you know, I'm blown away. And, you know, as a young fighter and, and with not much experience, I might have said, yeah, maybe I believed in it too much. Or, you know, there's so many ways to look back at things and regret things and stuff. But um, I would say, you know, if things happen and, and it's on to the next one, you know. And I, the truth is I'm not anyone else but fully been over. You know, I've trained with George St. Pierre and, I'm, you know, uh, he's definitely a different fighter and he, he beats the crap out of me when I, whenever I sparred him a few years ago, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to fight his style. So, you know, I'm going to develop my own style, which I've, which I'm really comfortable now in there. And, and, um, you know, and you're going to see the next sleeping over out there on May 16th. When you left the UFC in uh, February of 2010, your next fight was in August of 2011, local show. Who's your fight club? Why did you take so much time off and what did you do? Well, uh, first off, uh, after my last fight in the UFC, I had terrible neck pain and shoulder pain. Uh, you know, I've had that pain, I think going on for probably about a year and I finally got an MRI and I had a really bad disc, uh, herniation in my neck and I decided I needed to get neck surgery and it was a brave kind of, uh, brave thing to do because, uh, you know, I didn't, I could have just dealt with the pain, but I said, you know, I went to five different doctors. And um, I went to an orthopedist who really be- believed that he can, he can fix me. So I did a total disc replacement, and I did the rehab. And uh, within six to seven months, I had a pro Muay Thai fight after that. I remember I walked into his office, Dr. Shapiro, and he said, you know, you're a fighter. And he's like, man, I'm going to get you back in that cage, man. And I just, I just said, hey, sign me up. Let's do this. And uh, he had other athletes that, that he was working on, and, and I met them, too. So, you know, in the meantime, I had that one year to, or more hiatus because I had to rehab my neck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and it was, it was a definitely a down time in my life, man. I got cut from the biggest organization. You know, my dreams kind of shattered. And here I am with, like, a broken neck, and I don't even know if I'll ever fight again. So, I, and that was, that was uh, you know, four years ago, man. So, 
you know, I've been on the grind ever since, and I have other injuries that I had to rehab as well. <laughs> so, did you feel at all a little down on the sport? I mean, like you said, you your biggest organization, tough, all those expectations. Maybe in in a weird way, was that almost a good thing for you to get away from the sport? and not have to dwell on, on the losses and, and not living up to it all? Because I could imagine, like you said, I could imagine it was, it was a pretty big bummer to get that letter that you were no longer welcome. Yeah, definitely. Tears came to my eyes, man. When I, when I uh, you know, when I knew it was coming, I knew, I knew it was coming because I took a couple of losses, and, and my performance really wasn't there. I couldn't even hang with the lower-level guys in the UFC at the time. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely was a depressing time in my life. Uh, you know, and, and through adversity, though, you can really see what type of man a person, re- you know, what type of person you really, really are because that's, that's when your true colors show, when you're at the bottom in your life, you know. And through adversity, I just kept, you know, I, I sat down, I remember, and I, and I wrote things down. And I said, this is what I want, want in my life. I said, I want to be back in the UFC. I want to be, I continually, I want to be a professional fighter. I still want to be a nurse. I still want to help people. And I still want to pursue my dreams. And, and I said, no matter, I wanted to do it by 30, but I did it by 31. <laughs> so, you know, this, this is, it's been a goal ever since leaving. And, and it's not like I just went out there and, and, and did it. You know, I actually like really grinded it out and I did it strategically. I looked up who is the best training partners, who are the best coaches, who's giving me, who's on my corner still after leaving the UFC, you've got to analyze your life and say, you know, who's with me still, who are my fans, who are my friends, you know, and then true color show. And then, you know, and then you start linking up with, with real coaches and, and, and real training partners and a real training camp and guys who just take their time on you and, and devote time to, you know, I have, I had zero wrestling and here I am in the UFC with zero wrestling. But now, I mean, I've been working out with top, top level wrestlers and, and they're really taking time and hours out of their week to train me, believing in me that I can, I can perform in there. So, you know, it was really, uh, it was a tough time, but, uh, you know, I shined through it. So did you find that a lot of people stood by you or are, are you surrounded by a completely different group of people right now? Uh, I would say, I would say, uh, uh, coaching staff wise and training partner wise, you know, uh, I, I changed up my whole corner. Uh, and, uh, but, but training partner wise, I also changed a lot of people up. Um, you know, and it's definitely, you know, it's, it's a different chapter in my life. So, you know, I would say a lot of the fans who were really, who, who really, uh, had it out there for me, they're still with me. So I'm so happy about it. that's what, that's why I'm fighting in the Philippines because the fans really push it as well. You know, uh, when I was trying to get into the UFC again recently, uh, the hashtag UFC Manila, a lot of my fans just took it over and just, were just just tweeting about and, and putting up these pictures about, you know, bring back Nova and everything. And that definitely, the UFC Asia team said that they saw that out there. And that was a good, wow that was a good uh, feedback. So, you know, I definitely had some loyal fans. Even when I was fighting in Bellator and in the smaller shows, people were kept their eye on me. So, you know. And, and, and I know you were, used to be a part of Henzo Gracie's team. Who, who, who are you a part of now? Which team are you part of? I, I, am, I am part of Henzo Gracie's team. Okay. But you said you changed uh, yeah, your corner yeah. now. Do you just have different coaches? Yeah, well, before, I, I was actually with my original team before, uh, you know, which was Universal Defense System, which was, you know, they, they're a great team, um, you know, for when I was there at a young age. But I think to take you into the level of cage fighting, into the world-class level, I had to train with, uh, with 
particular coaches like John Danaher, mm. which I see all the time, which is which is George St. Pierre's jiu-jitsu coach, uh, with, with Dave Esposito, who's my wrestling coach, who's who's pretty much coached his brother to the Olympics. Um, you know, uh, with Jason Stroud, he currently has two champions under him. He's got Liam, Liam McGarry in Bellator, and he's got Marcos Govau, and he has boxers, kickboxers, all champions. So um, those are my three cornermen, and on top of that, you know, I do have uh, a lot of other training partners. And, uh, you know, I train with Frankie Edgar, you know, twice a week, sparring and wrestling. So, you know, I mean, like just things like this, it's just, it's just taking my game up another level. Are you still working as a nurse in Brooklyn? Yes, I, I currently am. I, I am passionate still about nursing. I think it's a stable career. Um, you know, I think uh, in the last five years, I've, uh, I've also attained some things that I wanted in nursing. I got my bachelor's in nursing, and as well as I got certified in cardiac care. So I'm a registered cardiac invasive specialist. I help doctors put stents in people's hearts. Wow. It's pretty cool, and you really, uh, you really get to save people's lives. I mean, I've seen people come in who are dead on the table, and we put stents in and open up their arteries, and they walk out of the ICU a week later or a couple of days later, and they don't remember anything. Wow. But uh, I, I'm, I'm cutting back the hours since, you know, this fight was announced. And, um, you know, after the fight, I'll probably get a, couple, a few more hours. But I am full-time as a registered nurse in Brooklyn in Cardiac Cat. Do you ever have a situation where someone comes in and is a fight fan? They're like, yeah, I remember you. Whatever happened to you? Does that ever happen? Uh, yeah, probably every couple of months. Oh, really? I get, I get yeah. Do you hate that? So someone comes in and says, it takes, wants to take a picture of me or something. Do you hate that? <laughs> so, or do you like it? Does it remind yeah, you? Because know, while you were trying to get back to the UFC, I'm wondering if it kind of reminded you of you know the, the fact that things didn't work out. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it was definitely cool. It's nice to get spotted. Sure. You know, and, and I tell people the truth. You know, I tell people the truth that, you know, I lost some fights and, you know, I'm still working hard. I'm still grinding and, you know, my body's still there. So, you know, I tell people the truth that I'm, you know, I'm trying to get back in. Or now that I'm here, I say, hey, you're, you're a nurse, by the way, is a UFC fighter now. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep it on the hush now, though, because I, I, just, I just don't want to see... I might be limping around at work a little too much or people might see I have a black eye or a bruise and they're like, what the heck? Why is this guy always beat up? <laughs> and and, you know? and from what I understand, they sent you to the Philippines to do a, a promotional tour. I believe you were there, Mark Munoz, uh, Frankie Edgar, Uriah Faber. What was that experience like? I mean, how, how, how into UFC and MMA are they over there? Wow. Well, I, I travel to the Philippines so often. I, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, but I go ever since I was a kid. I was going there, and you know, every summer for a month or even twice a year. So I know the culture, and I consider myself Filipino American. But this trip was completely different. It was, it was pretty much uh, you know five days, which is kind of tough just flying out there for, for you know four or five days. Yeah. But the, the people there love mixed martial arts. Really? I've seen from MMA in two thousand six, seven, eight. It was like just coming in. There was like one or two jujitsu schools. And now it's like we go back there, and in the mall there's an MMA store. I mean, that's wow. You know, this this is huge. Uh, Filipinos love combat sports. Obviously, Manny Pacquiao is is the prime guy over there, and the whole nation rests on his shoulders. So uh, they love combat sports. And Munoz is a huge name out there. Brandon Vera, who's in One FC, um, you know. And at one point, I was pretty popular too. And there were definitely some fans out there who remember me and. 
and um, and I did some TV shows out there, some funny stuff, and it was a fun trip. It was it was like really really fun. And they didn't give you a cupcake in your return. Uh, a lot of people very <laughs> high on your opponent, Yuchul Nam, who is out of South Korea. He's won five in a row, successful in his UFC debut back in March of 2014. He's won eight of nine. How much do you know about him, and, and what did you think when you got him as an opponent? I was so happy that they gave me this 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 tough guy. I think uh, Yuxul Nam is, is a is a very tough opponent in the Asian circuit. Yep. I think uh, he's a brawler. He's got heavy hands. He's capable of knocking out anyone who's at the end of his punch, so... Uh, this is a perfect fight for me as far as proving myself that I belong in the UFC. And I think that he has some holes, and I can definitely beat him. So he's a beatable guy, and he's a gamer. So this is going to be an exciting fight, you know, and uh, the fans are going to love it. And, and, and it works out perfectly for you. You get to make your return in the Philippines, and then right after that, you'll get the fight on the card at MSG when they finally legalize MMA here in New York. What, what a great way that to would, come back, right? <laughs> that would be an absolute second dream yeah. come true. I'm actually right across the street from MSG right now at Henzo's. Oh, really? <laughs> so Yeah, so I mean, this is this is like, you know, this is really my home here, so I can take the subway, I'll be at MSG in 30 minutes. That's amazing. Uh, you know, that would be spectacular. And even at the Barclays. The Barclays, I live in Brooklyn, so the yeah. Barclays is about 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> well, it's a great story. I'm very, very happy for you. I think most fans were when they found out that you were uh, brought back to the UFC, and, and, and a lot of people remember how much uh, you know it meant to you to fight in the Philippines. So what a wonderful story this is. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for coming on. I didn't know that you were going to be at the gym, so I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. And again, good luck in that fight. Really looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Ariel. All Thanks right. for having me, and I'll talk to you guys soon again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> looking All forward right. to it. There he is, Felipe Nova stopping by. A, a great story that will unfold May 16th in... The Philippines, that card headlined by Frankie Edgar versus Uriah Faber. And it takes place early in the morning here in the United States on Fox Sports 1. It's a, a solid card. They're, they're usually you know, bringing out a good card for their debut in a certain market, and they've been talking about the Philippines for quite some time, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And around a month's time from now, May 16th on Fox Sports 1 here in the United States. All right, let us move along. Uh, last week, remember, we had Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner on the show. They were... Uh, reminiscing about the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 finale, which took place April 9, 2005. So it was the 10-year anniversary. One of the big names that was victorious on that card. Of course, longtime fan favorite. He retired from the UFC last year. Man joining us right now on the phone, Chris the Crippler Lieben. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Great to have you on the show, Chris. You're, a, uh, yeah, man. you're an MMA radio veteran now. You have your own show, right? I do, yeah, yeah. UnfilteredMMA.com, and uh, we're on we're on ESPN Radio here in San Diego, so not a, not a bad deal. I appreciate you taking. I got to tell you, I don't mind doing your job. You know, it's it's a, it's a lot easier than getting punched in the face. That's funny. I was just going to ask you: Do you have uh, more of an appreciation for the media? Do you are you surprised that you like it this much? I mean, what's it like? Sometimes when people cross over, they have d different feelings, mixed emotions. You know, honestly, I, you know, I always kind of jokingly told people the only thing faster in my hands is my mouth. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I really don't mind talking and, and kind of the format for our show. It's not a, I don't think I'm quite as professional as you are, you know, covering as much stuff. You know, I just, you know, bring some people on and we just kind of sit around and just, just, just talk story, you know. 
talk story and hang out, and then, then man, an hour's gone. Boom. Yeah. That's it. It goes by fast. I remember we, we last had you on the show uh, January 2014. That's when you announced your retirement. What has life after MMA? And I know you're still involved. You're still a coach. You're still, but uh, from an active you know, competitor standpoint, what's life after? I mean, do you miss it? Are, are you content with where you're at? What's it like? Hey, you, you guys are good right now. Go. Yeah, I love You know what? I mean, I'm, I'm still in the sport. Matter of fact, I've got my, I've got my team guys training right now. As soon as I start doing the interview, they start slacking, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I've got that going. Um, my book just went on pre-sale. Um, that's been a ton of work, you know, this last year. You know, working with my writer, Daniel Pennekin, to get that get that book done. And we're we're coming up on finishing it. So, you know, it's uh, really, really exciting. And then, obviously, you know, I get to get the radio show. Um I think I'm like 29 and three as a coach so far since I've, since I've retired. Wow. Um, and that, that's counting UFC and Bellator veterans. You know, I've got guys fighting in UFC, Bellator, and every other show across the country right now. I've got a huge team, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of living the dream. You know, I, I, a lot of fighters can't coach. A lot of coaches can't fight. Um, I've always really, really, you know, enjoyed coaching or owning my own gym. I mean, I had only been at Team Quest for less than a year before I started coaching full time, you know? Mm. Um, so it's always been, coaching's always been part of my life and, you know, my calling, you know? Um, and I, I kind of feel like, you know, uh, one thing that maybe I did right that, that we kind of question a lot of these other fighters and go, like, you know, are they really making the right decision? Is I kind of knew, I kind of knew when, you know what? I had, I had my run, you know, I had a little 10 year run, you know, it's good. It's, it's, time for me to step away and, and, and let the other kids take the, take the, take the limelight. So I want to ask you about the book. That's one of the main reasons we, we had you on today. I know it just went on pre-sale. You can get it on amazon.com. The, the name of the book is the crippler cage fighting and my life on the edge. Why did you decide to do this? Why, why, why write a book at this point in your life? Uh, you know, there's just so much there that people don't know. Um, the stories, I mean, everybody's kind of got an idea. Everybody's heard a story here or there, you know, but I really wanted to put something out so that the people would kind of see, you know, um, what, you know, what my life has been like and what, you know, what I've been through and on ultimately, um, you know, it's not just a collection of, of drunken, you know, debauchery stories, you know, you know, I, I hope that, that people can see that, you know, um, doesn't matter what hand you're dealt, you know, it's how you play your cards, you know, and, you know, even though, yeah, I've, I've had my ups and my downs and my struggles, but I always kind of, I always somebody like, you can't quite kill me. I always somehow come back and make it, make it back up, you know, and, uh, you know, overcome, uh, a ton of adversity, you know, from, I mean, from the day I popped out of the womb, I was facing, you know, major life issues, you know, and it's been that way my whole life. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if it motivates anybody or, or, or people read it and they go, man, well, you know what, if this guy can get through this, you know, and I mean, the stuff I got through, you know, I'm not going to say it was easy or, or, or I got through it perfectly, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I'm still here. Um, you know, hopefully that'll motivate people or, you know, or, or, or at least I can show them what not to do. <laughs> Was it hard to relive it all? Because I can imagine someone who's experienced as much as you, been through those ups and downs, A, it's got to be hard to remember everything, but to put it all together, relive it, you know, have to put it on paper it was, to share it. What's was, that like? It's funny, you know, uh, you know, you're the first guy to ask me that question, but it's so true. Um, 
you know, I mean, there was, there was times when I was like, you know what, I just don't even want to do this. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's emotionally draining, you know, like a lot, a lot of that stuff, man, you know what I'm saying? You know, kind of let sleeping dogs lie, you know, like, you know, bringing a lot, rehashing a lot of that stuff, you know, uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely hard for me, you know, to go over it, you know, and sometimes, you know, the writer would want to sit there for, for hour after hour working on this stuff, you know, and I'm like, man, I can do an hour. I need a break because this is, you know, this is intense. It's, in, it's intense for me, you know, because I, I'm already an emotional person, you know, very, you know, I, and I realize that about myself. So, so reliving this stuff, you know, it's like, I, I feel like I'm there again, you know, for, so, it, you know, it was a lot of work, but, uh, I think that, uh, you know, a form of therapy as well. Hmm. You know what I mean? Come, coming to terms and coming to grips with, with, with a lot of it. Could you tell us what was maybe the toughest part to relive? You know, um, a lot of my childhood stuff, hmm. uh, like I haven't even told my wife about. Wow. You know? Um, you know, a lot of that stuff, I just really, you know, the first 14 years of my life, or, or 13 years of my life were just shitty, basically. Um, you know, so going going back there and, you know, reliving a lot of that was, was very difficult. Um, but then at the same time, reflecting on um, some of the other things that I've done, you know, like I always look at myself as a good person, but then I look at some of these mistakes that I made and I go, man, I'm, I'm a, can I cuss on your show? Yeah, go ahead, go nuts. I'm a fucking asshole sometimes, you know, when I, you know, and I mean, that, that's hard too, you know, because you always want to paint this picture of yourself. You know, everybody wants to paint themselves as being a great person, a hero. And if anything goes wrong, they're always the victim, you know, and, uh, you know, in my case, you know, looking back at a lot of this, I kind of, you know, definitely a reality check. Like, man, you're the one that messed up there, not the other guy, huh. you know? Wow. It takes a lot to to come to that conclusion, especially at this day. I mean, you're not that old. You know, some people might realize it at sixty, seventy, fifty. You know, you're a pretty young guy. So I, I, I think that's that's a big uh, that's a big kudos to you. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm still working every day. You know, it's funny in a in America, we assume you turn eighteen years old and you're all grown up. You're an adult yeah. now. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, you know, that's just kind of the way as a society we look at it, but. You know, truthfully, I, I, you know, I'm continuing to grow and evolve, and, and I, I think I always will be. I, I almost look at it just the same way I look at martial arts. You know, it's like if you're not growing, you're dying. You're either you're either working to improve, or or you're, you know what I mean, or you're dying. You're fading away. You know, so it's it's the same thing on the mat. I kind of take that same mentality I I, I put towards training to you know to life. Okay. So, so more to that point, Chris. You still there? Yes, 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 yes. More to that point. Uh, you, you came up. You were, you were kind of a part of the news cycle recently when uh, a colleague of mine, Chuck Mendenhall, wrote this amazing feature on Jason Thacker. Did you happen to read it? Um, I did. I did. I read it. We talked about it a little bit on the show. Um, I, you know, I'm not the best. Re- I'm not the best reader, so uh, I scared it. Hit all the highlights, you know, and stuff. Talked about it for a while. Um, what a what an intense piece! I mean, geez. Now, what did you, what did like what did you think of that? I mean, you're you're very much linked to the guy. You were his only UFC fight. I, I, How did that make I you mean, feel? That I, stuff. Honestly, like the one thing that 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 really touched me is the fact that the guy doesn't hold any resentment. 
Mm. You know, he, he doesn't seem to have anything against me. He's not mad at me, you know? And I know that in that case, you know, yeah, they're a perfect example. I'm the guy that fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I, I was the asshole, you know, in, in, in that story. Um, you know, and, you know, and he's, you know, a lot of people kind of want to feel sorry for the guy or whatever, but, you know, I look at it and I go, man, the guy's handling his stuff. He's standing up and being a man and doing what he needs to do with living life. Mm. He's, he's living life. He's taking care of his parents, he's, you know. Um, so, I mean, they did, the, they did the GoFundMe thing, and I think they actually hit their uh, their goal for what, for what he needed. So that's, you know, it's awesome. I'm glad that, that, that he was at least able to get that out of the piece. Uh, did you have any? And then, and then, go ahead. Sorry. And what's up? Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, so he he seems to have uh, you know dealt with all his stuff uh, you know well. I would say. Did you have any idea what he had to go through to get to the fight? Like that he had to spar Dana White and and go through this sort of gauntlet of fighters. Did you know that was going on? No, I didn't. No. Crazy. And I did. I didn't know, you know, that he was getting beat up in bars afterward. Yeah. You know, apparently he was. You know, they were so <laughs> Canadians were so upset with the way he did on the show. You know, Crazy. It's a terrible Horrible. thing. Yeah, it is. it is. I mean, if there's anything you 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 would say to the guy, if you saw him in person, what would you say? You know, I'd say, man, young, young and dumb. You know. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, you know. Truthfully, at that time in my life, if you fell asleep around any one of my friends, you were going to get messed with. Like, and I, you know, I didn't realize going on to the show that I had a lot of issues. I didn't realize that the people didn't wake up and drink every day. I mean, I've been living in my own world, you know. My family lives in, you know, was in, you know, felony flats in southeast Portland. You know, I grew up in a, more or less in a mess house, you know. And so I didn't realize that, you know, I was so far so so much different than everybody else. So it's uh, you know definitely uh, looking back, you know it's it's eye opening, and I I probably just want to let him know that hey man, you know I've grown a lot since then. You know a lot of the stuff that happened on that show is what's made me who I am today. So uh, I wouldn't take anything back. I wouldn't change anything because I, I truly believe everything happens for a reason, and I believe that for both of us, you know there was a lot of uh, learning and growth that came out of that first season of The Ultimate Fighter. I know you had a little run in the you know in, in, in MMA part of getting to the UFC and, and getting on the Ultimate Fighter. You you were a very solid ten and one. But if if let's say you didn't get that call for season but, one, hang on. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say ten and one, but the Sherlock seems to have put a loss on my record that is just not true. Oh. The other day, I I can't believe it. I tried to email him. I don't know why. Ridiculous. I Which, did this show for uh for Paul Herrera called Hitman. Okay. And and uh. This was before MMA was legal in uh, in uh, California. So Chael actually fought Bob Lou on it and stuff. And none of those guys have the fight on their record. He didn't count it. But uh, but um, they suddenly put the fight on my record. I thought uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. A, a black belt uh, jiu-jitsu instructor from Kiki's gym, and somehow. Uh, you know, I beat him up the whole fight. The referee goes, "Don't worry, buddy. You won that fight." They can raise his raise his hand because the winners are predetermined. Because the cops are right there, they can't come in. The cops are saying, "If if if, if you raise the wrong person's hand, 
then it's an actual fight, and we're going to break the show up, right? So guys are getting knocked out. They're waking them up and then raising their hand. And now that now Sherdog has went and put this loss in my record. Can you believe that? So I'm looking at your record right now. I just see one loss prior to going to the UFC. That was to Joe Dirksen. Uh, I don't see okay. any. Maybe they took it off. No, they must have took it off then. How about that? I was on there. I emailed them. Great news. <laughs> it all worked out. But I, I was just wondering, yeah. what would you? What do you think you would have done if you didn't get on the show? And let's say Griffin Bonner doesn't happen, the UFC dissolves. I mean, what would? And you had a very long career. What would Chris Lieben have done in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten? What do you think would have became of, of your life? Not a clue. <laughs> Not a clue, man. I mean, if you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for wrestling, I would have never got through high school. Mm. You know, and, and if it, if it wasn't for for fighting, uh, what I would have done, I, I don't know. I mean, I put all my eggs in the one basket. You know, I never looked back. I never thought of doing anything else. You know, I, I remember I, I fought my first fight. You know, and I walked home. I told my my girlfriend at the time. I said, you know, I'm gonna quit going to college. Da da da. And uh, she said, great, you can stay home. I said, no, I'm training every day. So then I moved. You know, obviously that relationship didn't work out. You know, I moved into my best friend's mom's basement for 200 bucks a month and, and, and uh, just, just, just worked just enough to pay rent and then trained, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I would have done something in the sport. I would have been a coach or, or you know, you'll find any show that I could. Um, obviously, you know, the UFC blew up and, and everything kind of worked out in that way. So, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how things work out in the end. But... Uh, all my all my chips were in one way or another, you know. MMA was what I was what I was put here on this planet to do. And and how's how's your life going now? I mean, are you, are you clean, sober? Do you feel healthy? How are things? I'm yes, I am. I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm actually I'm still still regularly going to counseling and, and treatment. Um, I haven't took a uh, a pain pill in about three and a half years now. You know, so great. Um, you know, from that, I mean, I still got some, I saw some issues with emotion, you know, I have people say something to me, it hurts my feelings. I will react. I have those issues still, you know, I'm working on them. Um, but ultimately, you know, I'm in a, a wonderful marriage and, you know, uh, I have a great job. I got a lot of things going for me. Um, shit, man, I can't complain. Okay. Last thing before I let you go, give us a name or two that you're really excited about. One of your students, you say that you're, you're, you're rolling right now as a coach. And, yeah. and that's great well, to hear. Who, right who, who are you really excited about? Ian Butler. Uh-huh. He's one of my guys. Okay. Um, fights, fights in Bellator. Um, you know, they, they do a huge job for him. He actually grew up here homeless in San Diego, so he's got quite quite an amazing story himself. Um, they're doing, like, the Bellator pre-countdown thing for him next week here, um, so I'm really focusing on him right now. Um, Justin Jones, another one of my guys, just had a just, – just fought in the UFC. Unfortunately, he uh, – he lost that decision. I, I don't know if I agree with it, but, mm-hmm. you know, still it's a very, very talented fighter. Um, and then um, I got a couple other Belcher guys, and I got, I got a, just a, a bunch of great amateur and lower-level pros. It's a really, really good team. You know, we're, we're, we're one big family. That's great. Great to hear. Again, the name of the book coming out is The Crippler, Cage Fighting, and My Life on the Edge. You can pre-order it right now. Just go to Amazon, type in Chris Lieben. It will come up. And uh, it officially comes out January of 2016. But like I said, you can get it now. So uh, do check that out. I will be checking it out. I look forward to it very much. Chris, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Get back to, to the gym and your guys. I appreciate it very much. And I, and I wish you all the best. Awesome. 
All right. Thanks, Ariel. Talk right. to you. There he is, the crippler himself, Chris Lieben, now an author. Check out the book, The Crippler, Cage Fighting, and My Life on the Edge. Great stuff. Some great characters to start the show, and let's keep that train rolling along. In a minute, we're going to be joined in studio by two of New York's finest, the man who won Tough 19, Eddie Gordon. Remember him? Eddie Gordon, the truck. Great win in the finale of Tough 19 uh, last July. That was a great weekend for Team uh, Longo Serra. They had Chris Weidman defeating Lyoto Machida on Saturday night in Las Vegas. And then the following night, Eddie Gordon won the Ultimate Fighter. Tremendous stuff. He'll be in studio. He's in action this weekend in Newark, New Jersey against Chris Dempsey. And also in studio, one of the rising stars in the UFC's Bantamweight division, Aljamain Sterling, who has a huge fight on Saturday, also in Newark, New Jersey, UFC on Fox 15 against the veteran Takea Mizugaki. What a big opportunity that is for Mr. Sterling. We're going to be joined in studio by both of those guys in a matter of minutes. We just have to reconfigure some things here in the studio. You know the drill. So while we do that, check out the Road to the Octagon for UFC on Fox 15. Unfortunately, it still includes Yoel Romero. I don't know if, we, if you'll even get to that because we'll do this pretty quickly here. Um, that's how late in the game they found out about his injury. But these are always very well done, always gets you very excited for the card. And, and of course, the main event is, is pretty spectacular stuff. Luke Rockhold versus Leon Machida. So check that out, and then we'll be back in a minute right here on the MMA Hour. You live once, and then why not live to be great? Don't live to be good. Mas o objetivo maior é sim acordar pensando que um dia eu vou ser campeão novamente. I believe I'm the best in the world, and I'm just gonna go out there and prove it. I'm better than this guy. I'm better than anybody in 145. I'll fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. He wants to fight, and that's what I'm gonna do. I know I'm gonna bring hell with me. I'm gonna keep going. I need that belt. I respect him. But when it comes fight night, the respect gotta disappear for 15 minutes. Pra dar o meu melhor. E quando eu dou o meu melhor, eu não pierco. Meu foco principal é quebrar a confiança dele nessa luta. Jacaré é um guerreiro. Eu sou outro. Vamos arrar o alma aí. Que eu vou ser campeão. Tenho talento, pai. Quem passar aí provavelmente vai lutar mais uma vez pelo cinturão. I'm gonna steal the show. I'm gonna take this for my own, and I'm gonna get my title shot. No dia 18 de abril, eles vão levantar o meu braço. On April 18th, six of the UFC's most elite contenders will assemble as Newark, New Jersey hosts one of the biggest. UFC Fight Nights ever held live on Fox. In the thrilling main event, a potential shot at UFC middleweight gold will be on the line as Lyoto Machida, the UFC's foremost karate master and one of the most innovative mixed martial artists of all time, squares off against former Strike Force middleweight champion Luke Rockhold, whose extraordinary athleticism, both on his feet and on the ground, make him one of the most versatile and powerful contenders in any division. That's it! That's it! Luke Rockhold! Tonight's stellar co-main event will feature two more top middleweight contenders looking to steal the show. 
in the menacing forms of Jacare Souza, hailed by some as the greatest jiu-jitsu artist in MMA history. This could be it, and that's the tap out! And Cuban Olympic wrestling silver medalist, Yoel Romero, whose recent flurry of dominant knockouts have given opponents nowhere to hide. And it's all over! In a third thrilling matchup, a pair of featherweights intent on further ascending the UFC's most stacked division will go to battle. As Cub Swanson, one of the UFC's most electrifying fighters, looks to wield his world-class boxing and extraordinary finishing instincts and that's gonna do it. against fearless young gun Max Holloway, whose five consecutive wins have cemented his status as one of the division's brightest rising stars. For each contender, as they're ready to converge on New Jersey from around the globe, the stakes have never been higher, the pressure never more intense, and the implications of victory never greater. Unbelievable! As their road to UFC fight night begins. Born and raised in a California city famous for its waves, Luke Rockhold begins his day with a familiar routine. Growing up, Santa Cruz, California, it's a beautiful place. In the off-season when I wasn't wrestling, I was surfing and skateboarding. Surfing was huge for me. Luke Rockhold's caliber of surfing was strong enough that he considered going pro like his older brother, Matt. The last time we surfed, I, had, I got staples in my head. Got a nice gash. What, five staples? Yeah, oh, look at that thing. What? what? Oh! And on this day, the two are joined by longtime friend Nat Young, Pro Surfing's 2013 Rookie of the Year. I think surfing, I have to credit with a lot. It was a big part of my life. That's why I really learned how to take pain and, and punishment and get back up and go for it again. Today, to get waves like that with nobody else around except for your good friends and your brother, it's pretty special. It's pretty darn good. He got barrel today, and that's not something that just anyone can do. It was always a far-off dream to be a professional surfer. I got pretty good, and I, I liked it, but I, I love fighting. There's just something about it. Six-foot-three Luke Rockhold has an extraordinary knack for ending fights, including stoppages of his last three opponents in a mere 10 and a half total minutes. That'll do it, Rockhold! Finishes where he displayed both his world-class submission technique and high-caliber striking. Oh, the head kick! To move within range of a UFC title shot. For Rockhold, a return to the gym means training with two of the UFC's very best, heavyweight champion Kane Velasquez, and former U.S. Olympic wrestler, as well as current top light heavyweight contender, Daniel Cormier. I think we have the best team in the world. We have Cain Velasquez, the baddest man on the planet, heavyweight champ of the world, been kicking my ass for the last eight years. Luke, he's the hardest guy to hit in the gym. He's so fast, and he hits hard. And then bringing on DC, when he first came in the gym, we had a pretty rough sparring match, and uh, we just sat in the corner and just chin up, hands down, and just started winging them at each other. That was a sign of a little bond, right? A little friendship. <laughs> the guy's gifted with everything. You know, he can fight. He's got good looks. He's got a smart mouth, too, you know? So I, I love any chance I get to punch him. 
350 miles to the south, Rockhold's legendary Brazilian opponent can be found enjoying the Southern California lifestyle and looking right at home in the city that he adopted three years ago. Lyoto Machida debuted in the UFC in 2007 and became a sensation. Trying to get the nice knee. Knee. Got one, got three. two, got three, got four, five, six, seven, knees from Machida. Winning seven straight and route to the light heavyweight title. He's down. He's out. He's out. And it is all over. In October 2013, the lean six foot one Brazilian dropped to middleweight and immediately secured two impressive victories and subsequently succeeded in giving the division's champion, Chris Weidman, the toughest fight of his career. But Sheeta again. Including a brilliant fourth round in a closely fought contest. What a fight! What a fight! Machida's quest for a rematch resumed five months later, when he returned to the octagon with a 62-second dominant performance against C.B. Dalloway. A win that has the immensely talented Brazilian once again focusing his mind and body on becoming only the third UFC fighter to hoist gold in multiple divisions. Para mim acordar, treinar, isso fortalece meu meu espírito, fortalece meu corpo. Às vezes eu gosto de ir na praia sozinho, respirar um pouco. Consigo ver o que 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 eu estou precisando melhorar. Focar no que eu quero. Mas o objetivo maior é sim acordar pensando que um dia eu vou ser campeão novamente. Eu não quero pensar muito lá na frente. Eu vou lutar contra o Luke. Então o Luke para mim é o momento mais importante. Eu sou um cara que eu treino todos os dias, independente desde quando eu era criança. Então isso me faz preparado para lutar né, com qualquer um. In qualquer momento. While his opponent trains with heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez, Machida trains with the man who staked his own claim to the title of baddest man on the planet. When Velasquez was sidelined last year due to injury, interim champion Fabricio Verdun. I, I know Lioto like a long time, he's my good friend. I trained with him a long time. Now I train here in UFC Gino with him. A gente faz a preparação física muitas vezes juntos. O Verdun é um cara que é super alegre, super engraçado. É um cara que isso aí favorece bastante né, o rendimento. He's very disciplined. Maybe just one or two more fights here I got the belt for sure again. No momento agora que é o Luke, mas com certeza logo em seguida eu quero uma chance pelo cinturão. Since moving to the United States in 2012, Lyoto the Dragon Machida has conquered many obstacles. But one thing that can still vex the karate master is the notorious challenge of perfecting a second language. Well equipped today, as you can Yeah, tell. you are. We are here in America, and we want to fit in in America culture. We have English class twice a week. It's hard because we are old, we moved to the United States, old. But I think we are, we are getting better. S, S, makes sense. To be persistent, 
To be persistent. To not give up. You know, even if someone says no, you keep going. They say no again, you keep going. You can use that in many different situations in life. Fabiola right? was very persistent girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good example. <laughs> that's why we are she together. Insists, that's she <laughs> insists a lot. <laughs> to learn something new outside the octagon, it's very important to make me a better fighter. I like to push myself. I like you know, to, to challenge myself. I think it's important to challenge my brain, to learn something new. Machida's thirst for knowledge continues inside the gym as he summons renowned jiu-jitsu master Henna Gracie to help thwart Rockhold's vaunted ground game. Luke is an amazing athlete and um, an incredible grappler, you know, so he brings a lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of submission skills. So it's going to be tough, you know, but we're teaching Lyoto somewhat of an anti-jiu-jitsu, how to basically be good enough at jiu-jitsu to not let jiu-jitsu work against him. I think this is going to be one fight where we're really going to see Lyoto's ground game and the evolution of his jiu-jitsu in the octagon. Boa, boa. Essa é uma luta que todo mundo tem que assistir porque é uma luta de, de dois lutadores tops realmente, né? Que já foram campeões de. Eu sei que ele é um lutador, é, um cara mais alto, é um cara que tem um, um reach maior, mas assim é uma, são coisas assim que eu procuro não me preocupar muito. Conheço meu corpo, conheço meu oponente, tenho mais experiência e tenho muita vontade também de me tornar o campeão. Eu tô muito tranquilo, tô muito bem preparado. Essa vitória é minha. Não importa como vai ser, mas essa vitória vai ser minha. Machida and Rockhold share much in common, including confidence and close-knit families. I grew up in a big family. We're all pretty close. I try to involve them and be around them as much as possible. I've never seen you dance. Yeah, you either shadow box or you dance. My little sister, Lee, she's about five years younger than me. She just had a, a newborn, so we got a new baby niece, Delilah. That's definitely brought us all a little closer. Family can always keep you grounded. You know, people will jump on your bandwagon, but, you know, that's what family's for. To, you can't always get away with everything. Oh boy, all the way through. All the way through, keep going. Turn it around. I don't think anybody in the sport works harder than me and smarter than me. When it's focus time, there's no one that dedicates more of their time and energy in the right direction than I do. You got it. Now that's perfect. I think 85 is like the perfect division. Anyone can beat anyone on any given day. That's what pushes me and inspires me to better myself every day. And I don't want to be in a weak division. Good, Luke. Oh boy, slow down. Time under tension. Once I have an opponent across from me trying to take what I've worked for my whole life and all my dreams away from me, it, uh, it just motivates me. There you go, lock it in right there, that's perfect. Try to take your hips to the ceiling. My fight with Lyoto, Lyoto's a legend. He's one of the best of, of all time. He's right there in his prime. I love it. I can't wait to get in there with him and show him what I got and show the world what I got. See me in there, I've kind of been a different guy the last few fights. 
I found the mindset to relax and it's not to be too aggressive. Just let things come and see things. Once you start calming yourself, you can uh, reach those next levels. There's a recipe to beat everybody. I have the recipe to beat Leoto. I have a lot of weapons that he's never faced. I believe in myself. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put a statement on him. I'm going to finish Leoto Machida. For half a decade, one of mixed martial arts' most remarkable fighters has made a home for himself in one of the world's... All right, back on the Mixed Martial Arts Hour. That was the Road to the Octagon, courtesy of our good friends at Zufa LLC. UFC on Fox 15. It is this Saturday, Newark, New Jersey, Prudential Center, The Rock, across the river here in New York. We can have MMA, at least for now. Hopefully that will change. I know these two guys would love to be on the first-ever card in New York City. I'm talking about our guests in studio right now. We got Eddie Truck Gordon, who won the 19th season of The Ultimate Fighter, and Al Jermaine Sterling, one of the very best bantamweights in the UFC right now. How about this? Two members of Longo Serra in studio. Huge. Welcome, guys. We're happy to be here, man. Yeah. You seem happy. You seem very excited. Even making weight, we're happy. <laughs> yeah. Is this, is this a pain? Was it annoying to come out here? No, oh, never annoying to come out, come see you, but water loading is annoying. What do you mean by water loading? When you say water loading, uh, drinking lots of water. If I can drink eighty pounds of water in wow. the next week, and you have to do that, it makes the cut uh, a lot easier. Keep the body hydrated, so this way you're not sucked out for the fighting bit or put on a heck of a performance at the rock. <clears throat> do you do the same, Algerman? No, I actually find that a lot harder on the body for me. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit sm well, a lot smaller <laughs> than truck, so. For me to do the water load, I can't drink two gallons, three gallons of water in one day. It's just for me, it's just impossible. Are you guys friends? Unfortunately, not. Nah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's yeah. my uh, neighbor, man. He's, oh, he's, really? He's a town away from me. My kids actually play for his town, so I get a lot of flack from the Freeport guys. My yeah. kids playing for you now, but it's like home now, right? Yeah, pretty much. You see, I ask you this because I've seen you guys uh, with each other a lot lately. I saw that you were at a Nick game, right? You were sitting uh, courtside. Um, my man, New York Rick, said he sat right next to you guys at a judo tournament here in New York. Oh, yeah, you're right, You guys actually. are like BFF traveling the country, or at least the city. <laughs> That's it, man. You know, yes. us, we got to keep our small-knit communities together, man. And, dude, this guy's a stud, man. I've been talking about Aljo for a while now, and I'm happy that he's going to get the recognition he deserves because there's no doubt in my mind he's, you know, right there at the pecking order for the next belt. So, What was it like being at the Nick game? Front row, you were hanging out with uh, Roy Hibbert, right? Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. Um, I think the whole thing with that was it actually really felt like, you know, we were, you know, celebrities. Like, I'm like, yeah, finally getting recognition like we actually deserve, I think. Yeah. You know, do, doing the kind of sport that we do. We have Roy Hibbert coming over to us telling us that he looks up he to us. He knew who you guys were, We're right? looking yeah, up to him like, you look up to us? What, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was Which cool. It was definitely, definitely cool, man. Like, going, you know, being able to travel and go to Ireland. When you go to another country and you see the response and the uh, the, the way that the fans treat you and take care of you, it's like... We need this to be legal in New York because, like, we deserve this in our home state. It's yeah. like the recognition is, is, is second to none. Okay, let, let's talk about you here for a second because the last time I think a lot of people saw you was UFC 181. Not a memorable night for you. Uh, that, that, was, that was pretty hard to watch. I mean, it was a brutal knockout. How, how are you feeling now? I'm sure, I'm sure you're good, but, I mean, just mentally, you know, when you come back from a fight like that, there's a lot, I'm, I'm assuming, on your mind. You, you need to exercise those demons, right? Do you still yeah. think about it? You know what, man? I'm very competitive, man. Mm -hmm. like that, that bothered me for a while. I think I just got over it probably five minutes ago, getting over oh, the train. Yeah. But um, 
realistically, you know, Matt, I'm fortunate enough to have the best people around me. Like, Matt went over, he talked to me about things, Ray spoke to me, and I can't even, you know, talk about how much it helped having Ally Quinta in my, on my team being able to talk me through that, that whole situation because you get down on yourself, you're, you're pissed off, you're mad, but you always got to look at the, the uh, loss as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I learned a lot from that. Matt said it best. He's like, if I was getting my butt kicked the whole entire fight, we got to start from ground zero and, and kind of fix everything. But that's why MMA is so exciting. At any given moment, you know, uh, the fate can change. We just saw what? Mirko Krokop sure. and Gazag again dominated two rounds and then finished the guy. So it's uh, taught me a lot. My aggression and my, uh, my best attribute uh, hurt me that fight, and now I'm ready to change it. And I'm not going to be gun shy. I'm pumped. I'm excited to rewrite history uh, come Saturday. Hard to watch? Uh, I watched it a few times. It's hard to watch, but you know what? I'm over it, man. I'm a, I'm a competitor. I've been competing my whole life, and to me, it's it's the ultimate truest sport because there's no excuses. I can't say, well, my teammate missed the block. Mm. This guy missed a shot. You know, it was on me. I, I made a mistake. You know, credit to Josh Salmon. He capitalized on it, and he was a better man for 10 seconds, and that's how the, the cookie crumbled, but I'm ready to come back and uh, make a statement this fight. Were you watching that live? What's it like to see your friend you know, on the receiving end of something like that? Uh, I mean, it was tough. Uh, like, how do you react? Put, it, put us in, in your shoes. Because uh, us as fans, journalists, I mean, it's like, oh, and then you kind of move on to the next one. That's the way it goes. But this is personal for you, right? Yeah, you know, we had the, the whole, pretty much the whole bar getting, you know, riled up and going crazy. We had them pretty much put every single channel on the show, on, on, the, on the fight. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, shit happens, man. Yeah. And that's pretty much, you know, just kind of went quiet. And, I mean, what can you expect? You know, that's pretty much how it was. There's not really much. Did you take time off that. afterwards? Yeah, well, you know, let me tell you something. Like, after it happened, I was literally fine. I was back in the arena really? by the finale. Wow. And um, I feel like the commission protects us from ourselves. Because as yeah, athletes, as competition, like, I want to go back in the gym that same week and just start working. And they give you the medical suspension. So I took some, some significant time off and... Then spar for what? I think like 60, 90 days, something like that. Okay. And that actually helped me. Like, you know, talking to Chris, he said, you know what, sparring, you know, it's, it, don't worry about it. Work on those little intricate details that you kind of overlook when you're training for a fight. When you're doing this, you're so focused on, you know, making adjustments, this and that. He's like, go back to the basics, do things that you, you know, that you, you often don't do, footwork, this, that. And I feel like it helped me a lot. Like, I seen the difference just sparring this camp versus, uh, you know, Two, three, four months ago. So because you had that time to work on those little that things, that time to work on you know the the the, the boring stuff, you right. know, like the footwork. Nobody wants to do footwork. Nobody wants to do you know regular combos. I was a wrestler, man. Like nobody wants to go back and wrestle. You want to kind of do the new the the new fresh thing. But I went back to my roots, went to the basics, and I'm fortunate that I have the best coaches I feel in the game with the most experience, and that's the fight game. And I'm just ready. I can't wait to, to erase that because Dana White says it best, man. You're as good as your, your last fight. Right. So with one fight, I could change all of that. And for you, Al Jermaine, I mean, the last time we saw you was July. It's been quite some time since we saw you in action. Yeah, I was kind of upset about that because you actually went all the way to Dublin instead of coming over to cover yeah. that fight. I know. That, 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 well, it's funny you say that, right? Because it was the same week, right? Yeah, was, I heard you on the show. He was like, yeah, you know, I got to pick and choose and I'm going to go to Dublin and see Connor. I was like, 
freaking Connor. It, it was a big deal, man. You were there, man. I was there, dude. Let me tell you something. That arena, I I, I became Irish that weekend. That you, arena you, this was this man. How, how many fans and, and people are buying you drinks? They were treating you like a king over it there. Was, it you was just won the show, right? Yeah, it was, this guy was oh, you and your buddy who had never flown before in his life. He was scared shitless yeah, that going was on that first plane. First flight, John. John flew. Oh in. yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh. Gone. But let me tell you something. It's that arena. Was insane. Like, yeah, that's how it's gonna be. But triple four once we get to MSG. Could you imagine like several longer guys, Chris, me, yeah. Al, Aljo, dude? There's a ton of guys, man. That place will be electric. But but you you fought on that card on that Wednesday. I remember it was a great performance. But you kind of feel like now people have forgotten a little bit. Like you have to remind them because it's been a while. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, I say this thing this about this sport. You gotta kind of. Stay active. If you're not active, you're easily forgotten. It's like out of sight, out of mind. And that's kind of how I felt. You know, I was getting ready to keep the momentum going with the Gang Young fight. Then I got hurt with that. I kind of jumped the gun a little bit too fast trying to get back into training. And I started hitting two days too soon, and my hand wasn't ready for it. And uh, that set me back. And then I got ready for November. Then I get off the plane, and they're like, yeah, about that contract with that guy. They, yeah. they took the contract back from him. And I just kind of just hanging out there. And I was like, you know what? I was in Australia, and I was like, dude, how often do we get to go to some place like this, you know? I'm like, I'm in the land down under yeah. right now, you know? So with that experience, just being able to see that, I just said to myself, you know, it's kind of frustrating, but you tell yourself, you know, you keep working, stay motivated, and this is going to be the uh, the reward, you know? You get to see places you've never been, travel the world, and right. all based on your, your hard work and your labor. That was such a weird thing, because I remember it was actually happening during our show. You're tweeting out like, oh, I'm about to go on the plane, and... And we're getting news that the fight might not happen. And then you land and you find out that you have no fight. Yeah. And that's like a 20-hour trip. Yeah, 22 hours. What, what I, was the reaction? The joke was I slept just about the entire trip there. Al and uh, Bowman, that's, that was the, the running joke. Oh like gosh. I slept the entire plane ride. But yeah, I mean, when I got off the plane, I was like, dude. But then Shelby said uh, he's, gonna, he's got something to work. He's going to try to get me something as soon as he can. And hopefully, I thought they were going to get me a local, but... You know, he, he, you can't just throw any local guy in there, sure. so obviously, but um, whatever, you know. That fight didn't happen. Now we got this one, a bigger name, bigger opponent, um, a bigger stage platform. Got Fox. Go out there and get it done. Yeah, and, and also, you were supposed to fight Manny Gamburian on this card, right? Yeah. And you got Takemi Zugaki. I, I think maybe a bigger name, more highly regarded right now. I mean, he just came off that loss, but were you happy about the switch? Uh, for me, I... I want what I really wanted to do. My ideal game plan in a perfect world was for me to kind of build my name up, build the hype around the fights, these kind of fights, you know, the high profile fights where people actually want to see it. There's more anticipation for that fight. You know, I think just coming off of two fights and then two fights falling through and then people not seeing me, it's kind of like, well, you know, Mizugaki's ranked six and whatever, but this kid is kind of like, you know, no one really knows who I am yet. I mean, the skill set is there for sure, I think, with any of those guys in the top 10, but. Like I said, I think the hype being built around the fight would have been a lot greater, and there would have been more um, excitement behind this fight, I think. But I'm, I'm happy either way. I think after this, I, you know, I show what I can do and move from there. How old are you right now? 25 years young. 25? <laughs> I don't know. I can't keep track. Man. I used to say I'm never going over 29, but I'm 31 now. 31. Father of two. Father of two, yeah. Father of two. I, I want to get your take on this. I want to play you a quick clip of Mr. Sterling here. Oh, and I want master. And I want to know what a 31-year-old father of two thinks of this clip. Can we put it up here? This is, uh, this is Al Jermaine, courtesy of... We have it, right? Is this Tweeter? 
Four weeks there out, and I'm shredded already, baby. I'm about to show you a little something real quick. <laughs> this is on your Instagram. What, what is going on? <laughs> Look at this guy. Let's go. And then just going. What is going on? What is going on? Is that just a, a typical night for you? Yeah, I felt good, man. I was home. I took my shirt off. I was cleaning my room, and I was like, dude. I looked at the mirror. I was like, I'm freaking shredded right now. I only got cut. I think it was three more weeks before the yeah. fight. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It just felt good. And good you just mood. put on that music. The music was already going. It was and just I was going. like, you know what? I gotta record this. This is epic. That, that reminds me of my kids, but you know, yeah. <laughs> one thing that Aljo and my kids got in common, they both got shredded bodies. I tell Aljo all the time, if I look like that, I'll never wear clothes. I'm like, listen, forget about it. I'll be walking around half. You have naked. to work for 185, oh, right? Oh my gosh, let me tell you, something. I have abs for like maybe an hour and a half. I'm like, I gotta keep that. That's my, that's my goal, though. Like, I'm, I'm done getting big. I'm, I'm a big boy, man. I get, I get pretty wide. And How big do you get? Like, when, when, you're, when you're right before starting to get into a camp, so now you've indulged in all that stuff, how big do you get? I get as big as 234. Two, wow. Two, yeah, I get, I get up there. I like pasta, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a gift and a curse. But it runs in the team. Yeah, yeah true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> how much is he weighing these days? I saw him. You, you put I out actually a clip. said not to talk about that. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to have to pay you a visit. <laughs> I saw him on that Inside the Funk video that you had. Holy moly. Good. Super heavyweight? No, nah, not What's that. What's going he, on there? I still got him beat. I got him outweighed. Really? He's, he's a stud, man. I tell you what. It doesn't matter how big he is. When that guy gets on top of you and you're rolling, it's he's like a rock, a, though. Oh, it's he unbelievable. Has step. He's he has dude, not it's, step. It's it's the things he does. I just look at him like, dude, how are you doing? It's, it's, he just moves and it's unreal. The guy does uh, what he does. He walks on his hands. He'll go back oh, and really? forth the whole yeah. entire gym. I'm like, I'm not even trying that. What's the mood at the gym these days? Because of course you have Chris fighting next week. Al is on a roll. You know, Ray is doing great things. It just seems like every week another guy is coming out from the team. And for a while, it was just kind of the Matt Sarah and Ray Longo show. And now we're seeing youngsters come through. I mean, what's the mood these days? I mean, do you guys feel like you're unbeatable at this point? It's a great vibe, man. I, you know, I can't talk for Aljo, but just to see the things that Al's doing, you know, Chris, obviously, it's just we have a really, really tight knit over there. Like, it's mm -hmm. not like, you know, you hear it all the time, the cliche, it's not business, it's family. We truly say that and we mm. really mean it like we literally want to see everybody do well like i tell these guys when i watch them fight i'm more nervous than when i go into the cage my mm. hands are sweating my feet sweating i'm like a nervous wreck i stop going out for fights because when they fight i can't do it i can't be around civilians it's just like it's just weird but we truly want to see everybody succeed and you're just riding the wave and the momentum whenever a Saralongo guy fight you don't have to worry about it being a boring fight you don't, you don't have to worry about the guy not going out there giving it his all we're, that's just the, the uh, in our blueprint. It's just the way we train, the way we fight, and it shows up in Octagon. And we truly do care about each other. Well, what did you think of uh, Al's post-fight interview a couple weeks ago? I thought it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I loved every second of it. Is that the real Al Quinta? Yeah, that's, that's, that's Al. I mean, it's Al in terms of, you know, getting emotionally riled up, but he was, I thought he was 100% right, man. It's like... Yeah, man. Why the hell are you guys booing him? Like, right. You know, it makes no sense. It's a great fight. You guys got two warriors who went out there and not lay on each other, not sit on the cage That's the entire it. fight and go for it. It's like, seriously, you guys are booing this? I don't, I don't know. It's, and it's emotional, man. When you just finish fighting, whether you win, lose, draw, you know, if, could you imagine, you know, you yeah. see somebody sticking a little finger at you. It's like, where is the emotion on the sleeve? That's why, you, you know, what you see is what you get. But what I think people don't realize is that Al's usually a very mild-tempered yeah, guy, yeah. quiet. It's like, but when that, when that adrenaline's going, imagine somebody have a bad day in the office and their boss yells at them because they don't fax something or they send it to the wrong client and something like that. And then you have a camera in your face in front of millions of people. How are you going to act? And if somebody's giving you the finger, 
behind uh, the, the coffee machine, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he should have walked over there and told the guy to come out from the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he should have done. Like, Did you see? Get over here. Last week on the show, we had them on. They yeah. called up. How about that? We yeah, had the two yeah. guys who flipped them off call into the show and apologize. This is that was so, cool, yeah. that, that's awesome. Though. Actually, I, I saw I saw that on on Al's page. That you know that that shows that when the emotions you know, yeah. settle down, everybody acts cool heads. You look at NFL. Richard Sherman, right? He, he got popular off of that rant after the San Francisco game. <laughs> sure. And this guy is a 4.0 Stel, a Stanford grad. It's just, it's emotional. It's sports. It's like when you're putting your heart into something and you give it your all, nobody wants to be booed. Nobody wants to be cursed at, whatever it may be. Those two guys, you have to give them a ton of respect for even going into the, the octagon and performing. Anybody that gets into there, knowing they got a planned fight at a planned time, it's like, if you think about when you're a kid growing up, if you got a bully picking on you or you you know you got a fight after school, you're nervous. Can you imagine two months, three months right. waiting for that to happen? It's uh it's definitely emotional. Aljamain, you have an interesting backstory. You uh, you went to college with John Jones, right? Yeah. Uh, you same wrestling team? Uh for for one year, he he transferred over from Iowa and um, then he kind of had his, I guess his uh, I don't know fell out. His girlfriend got pregnant. Story thing. Right. And, uh, then we kind of it was weird. We kind of just. It just randomly happened, kind of just reconnected again in um, in uh, Cortland when I went to school, and it was right down the road. Just kind of just started training together down there. And were you friends when you were on the team, the wrestling yeah, team? Yeah, he um, actually recorded one of my first college matches. It's actually on YouTube. It's uh, pretty funny. So it's like I, I see that, and then now, like where we both are, and it's like, Yo, yeah, it's crazy. Did you think that he would turn in? I mean, probably at the time you didn't know that you would be a UFC fighter, right? But did you did he have greatness in him? Was he that kind of guy? Yeah, he was a he was a slick, uh, really slick wrestler. I I thought when he first came in, I didn't even know who he was, and I came from New York. I didn't even I was kind of I started wrestling in tenth grade, so I didn't really know much many people like that was like considered like oh you should know him, you should know him. So for me, when I transferred over, and he transferred over. I didn't know who he was, and he was just killing guys in the room. It's like dude, like who is this guy? This guy's a freaking yeah. freak athlete, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I saw some pictures of him training, and I was. We we kind of like he kind of showed me some things, and I kind of felt like we had similar build, like the similar build. I was just like a smaller version. It's like weird. I hate saying that because people always compare. I'm like, I try to kind of get away from that comparison. Sure. Completely it's different. Not, it's fighter. not a bad comparison. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but <laughs> but that's kind of how it was. Like he was showing me stuff, and I would able. To, I was able to kind of do the same kind of things, and I saw him doing. That. I was like, I always had an interest in it from uh, Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner one. On the show, and I, I was like, man, maybe I could probably do something with the sport. I mean, I, I, I'm very competitive, and uh, I don't mind fighting. So that's the fight that got you into it. The fight that got me. I mean, I saw, I saw like a bunch of the other fights, but that was like <clears throat> the first time I saw it like really televised in the whole show. Right, right, right. And that's when I kind of realized like, hey, this is pretty cool. I just never knew what time it came on and things like that. I was like a, a little weird kid, kind of just uh, all over the place with all kinds of different sports. But then, like I said, once I saw him doing it, I asked him how can I get into it, and kind of just. Ship sail from there. Kind of funny. That was exactly ten years ago. This past Thursday, did you yeah. know that the ten year anniversary? No, and now here you are yeah. on the MMA hour. <laughs> wow! Look at you, big time. Actually, we had I had something I had to ask you. Um, sure, go ahead. Who me? Or yeah, before we oh. before we can continue this interview. Okay. I oh. have to know: Are you ready to battle? Am I ready to battle? Are you ready to battle? Uh, is this a, is this something pertaining to that dance you were doing earlier? Oh, you saw it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing actually. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That oh, was it. Man, you got, got it. it. You got it. This what? dude is funky. I don't understand. show you my dance moves. Oh, that's your. That's why they call you Funk Master. Not really, no, 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 actually. No. It's more because of your wrestling, right? Yeah, my wrestling style. Yeah. So what? You do dance battles? I was gonna battle you. I want to battle Eric. He didn't want none of this. Wow. So this guy is just. 
He's a freak. Jack of all trades. That's it. You 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 actually go to clubs and battle people? No, no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But does he, he, little, he, he auditioned for Magic Mike too, I think. <laughs> wow. I, hey, you got the body. I mean, I could say that you, you show it off very yeah. well, right? Yeah, my girlfriend doesn't like that. She doesn't oh. approve. Okay. But what you gotta be, do. Will she be going to the fight? Yeah, she's gonna be there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. This time, I mean, when you were going to Australia, you probably couldn't have a lot of fans and, and, and yeah. family and all that. Now you get Probably a whole crew from Longus Era oh, going, gonna, right? The place is gonna be nuts. It's like gonna literally, be electric. It's almost <laughs> like it's like a homecoming, man. I feel like I started my career in New Jersey, and now I'm coming back. Like it's cool to fight in Vegas. It's awesome, but you don't get all your friends and family. I can fly out there. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. Sure. So to get a hotel, a ticket, this, that. The only downfall is everybody expects a ticket. Well, I was just gonna ask you: <laughs> Is it a double-edged sword? Is it oh. a bit annoying in that sense? It's, yeah. I don't want to say annoying because okay. like the fact that you know you get a tons of people supporting you is it's, it's great, but everybody thinks that you know you're ticket master and you got extra tickets laying around, so it's tough, man. But um, you just gotta kind of navigate those people to the right places to get it, and the the, the feedback and it's just been awesome. Like it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be. I'm obviously biased, but I feel like this is probably one of the best cards for free in yeah. a long, long time. Like I feel like this this card could have easily been a pay per view. So this is going to be the winner of all these fights are going to be the fans. Well, it's actually funny because the next week is a pay-per-view, uh, and this card is way better than it. The UFC 186, no disrespect. Yeah. That's my hometown, Montreal. But i got to be honest, this card is better. It, it's insane. Like, yeah. Literally, I feel like there's probably three or four fights that could be on the, the main event right. that I would buy and pay for. Like I watch almost every single UFC event possible, and I, there's three or four fights that even being on the card, I'm really, really intrigued to see how it's going to go. What's the deal with John Vellante and you guys? I mean, is he a part of the team or is he not part of the team? I don't understand. I bust his balls about that all yeah, the time. Yeah, what's going on? Is he, he, is he double though. dipping or what? I don't he, understand. He's like the uh, he's a double dipper. He, step, <laughs> step brothers? It's like, he's like the stepbrother of uh, Sarah Longo. I don't know. But they don't corner him. Sarah Longo don't corner him, right? But he's still training. I see pictures of you guys training yeah, together all, all the time. time yeah. So what's we, going on? We literally train every single day together. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's, you know, I feel like if I was him... It's a win-win for him. He gets yeah. great trainers over at Belmore. Keith is awesome. The guys he gets to train with, he gets to train with Ray and Matt. It's um, it's a great deal. It's priceless. So for those that don't know, why do they call you Funk Master? All right, real quick. Yeah. Back in high school, my sprawling sucked when I was wrestling on a mat. I couldn't. I didn't really understand the concept of sprawling, and uh, I just did a lot of weird things. So anytime someone would attack my legs, I kind of get into these weird scramble positions and. Most of the time, I end up on top. Or if someone gets in on a deep shot, I always end up managing to stop them or get behind them, get my two points and score. And it's kind of been like that. And I, in college, I mimic a lot of my style off of Ben Ashkin. A lot of his tapes, a lot of his, uh, wow. his matches online, flow wrestling, I used to go on that. Watch his stuff, study it, write it down, write down what's he doing, what, what uh, limits he holding, trying to see what he's doing. And then uh, I go to the gym and go, I go practice it. And... Now you had the birth of the uh, the phone master. And I couldn't take his name. Oh, so. Of course, yeah, that would be <laughs> weird. Been weird. Yeah, um, really or weird. maybe uh, homage, as they say. And you were originally with Team Bomb Squad, right? Yeah. And then why why'd you leave? It just it was just easier to go back home okay. financially, um, not having to pay for all the things I had to pay for up there. Um, and I I just it just made sense being closer to home, my family and everything, my girlfriend. And it so was, was always, it was the, so was the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was funny because I had her looking, for, looking. For, we were just talking about this. I had her looking for schools in Cali or Florida or even Georgia. I was like, you know, if things don't work out back home in Long Island, if I can't find a place to go um, to train at, you know, this is what I want to do. You're gonna have to go find another school to go to because you're gonna have to go where I'm going or 
something's gonna have to give. Wow, uh, damn, ultimatum like that. Laying it down. I mean, that the roles have switched. Yeah. Don't, don't let Aljo fool you. Yeah. Rebecca's uh, she's a tough cookie. Wow, she's, yeah, she's, 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 she's tough, man. But I, you know, I, back then it was like four years ago. You know, I had to really pick what I wanted to do, decide my fate. You know, where I was gonna go, and really try to steer my career in the right way. And good thing um, I had the offer from from Chris to come down and. I loved it. So Weidman was the one who brought you down? Yeah, he, he gave me the invite for my third pro fight at Ring of Combat. But I was still up there, still finishing up school. And it just, it was just, it would have been tough to do that. So yeah. um, I hit him back up on on uh, Facebook and he told me I could still come down and I came down. So what, you didn't know him prior? No, not really. I just knew he was a wrestler. I knew sure. he was. And I, he was cool. And if I saw him, I'd be like, hey, what's up, man? And, you know, he was just getting into UFC. This was like before he was champ. And, okay. Uh, so it was pretty cool. And, and he was, said, I like your style. You have an open invitation. And he's like, no, he actually was like, dude, aren't you from Long Island? I was like, yeah, I'm from Unidale. He's like, what the heck are you doing all the way upstairs? Yeah. I was like, bro, I'm going to school, man. I, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I wish I could be back home in Long Island. It would be so much easier. But, you know, whatever. I got my degree, so... It's amazing because he recruited you as well. Yeah, pretty much, man. Like you know, Chris is doing a good job. He's a yeah, it's true. He's a good but captain. It's, um, it's literally, you know, I didn't really follow the sport like like I do now, obviously. But uh, we ran into each other in the gym. We wrestled together in high school. That's uh, it's like wrestling is the the uh, the link between all of us. And you know, he was like my rival in high school. Like literally, my town is Freeport. He's Baldwin. Literally, our high school is in Baldwin. His high school was in Freeport. Oh, so wow. it was like we known each other for like forever. Like literally his dad used to take us upstate to wrestle in the States. And he's like, What are you doing? Why don't you give this nigga a shot? And uh, the rest You knew of nothing about MMA, nothing. right? Nothing. I never He had never... to actually explain it to you, correct? Yeah, pretty much. So it was like it was weird. I was like, What do you mean jujitsu? What is this jujitsu thing? Yeah. Like, he's like, No, but it's good for wrestling. I was like, that's all I know is wrestling. And then, you know, if you want to learn striking, Ray Longo, if you right. want to learn jujitsu, Matt Saris. So it was like a gift. It was literally Everything worked out perfectly. Most guys, unfortunately, like, like Aljo, have to do trial and error. You know, you got to go to, you know, you hear all these stories. Guys sure. go to one gym, that gym, until you find somewhere that's home. I was lucky that the first gym I ever walked into was home. And I feel like that's huge. Like, I'm, I feel like I have so much to learn as a fighter because I haven't only been fighting, what, three, four years? Yeah. So, like, the sky's the limit, and I'm in the right place to learn from the best guys in the world. I saw a clip of Longo on uh, Newsday.com, and he was talking about you, and he was saying that of all the guys who are pros now, you were actually the slowest learner of the bunch. No, without, Is that accurate? Without a doubt. How bad I, were you? Horrible. <laughs> I, I literally, <laughs> I came into the gym. Were you there during this time, or you came nah, after? Nah, this is after. Okay. I literally came into the gym probably... 290 pounds. I was a football. I was a football player. All I did was no football. Went to college, played, you know, at Fordham University. And literally, I'm like seeing these guys kick and all this stuff. I'm like, this is weird. Like, you don't, you're <laughs> like, who does that? Like, you see a street fight, nobody's kicking in a sure. street fight. And literally, you know, I started out taking the beginner classes, just with the regular civilians. And I think Volante was fighting at Ring of Combat for a belt. Okay. And he was like, oh, I need a wrestling partner. And I was like, doing that. Then I was like, you know what? You're a big body. Just spar. So I was sparring with Chris, Volante, Costa Flupu. Uh, so it was like, I was getting, you know, like, you know, I was getting my ass handed to me at first. But I was like, I like this. <laughs> like, it was weird. Like, I think Ray and, and, uh, and uh, Eric thought I probably was never going to come back to the gym. But I truly said, I love to compete. I'm getting the best guys in the world. And it's fun. And the rest is history, man. I feel like I came a long way and I got so much to grow. Like, anybody's going to fight me, they better fight me soon because I feel like in the next two, three years mm. is when I'm going to get close to my ceiling. So I'm just excited. When did you start to feel like you were in a groove? Like, okay, I'm starting to figure this out. I have confidence. I can hang with these guys. Um, I, Honestly, I feel like probably after the show. 
you know, because really like, that late. Yeah, it's because I didn't have that many amateur fights. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I feel like that's the one thing I do regret not having more amateur fights where it doesn't matter. I just do boxing, kickboxing, whatever, because I just went right to mixed martial arts. Because when you're in a mixed martial arts fight, if you're comfortable on the ground, you can just make it a wrestling match. Right. Whereas if you're in boxing or kickboxing, you got to go out of your comfort zone and you're forced to stand up. I feel like that would have helped my development a lot more. But being able to, you know, train with Chris every day. I'm getting the best guy in the world. So there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And if anybody knows Chris, he doesn't take it easy on anybody. Like when yeah. you're in the cage with him, you know you're getting, <laughs> you know you're getting his best. Although well, you don't have to spar him, yeah, right? Nah, no. there's, there's, there's no Chris nah. knows 110 percent. Like that's that's what he knows. And learning from that, like that's half the battle, man. Is going out there and and giving it your all, not even caring about result. Mm. Just going out there trying to exhaust yourself, give your best effort every single time, and I feel like now I'm just like so much more comfortable, and that's why I'm just, I'm just so excited because half the fights that anybody see me like that's not even gonna showcase the half of my, wow. my skills. So I'm pumped. You strike me as the kind of guy who's not very short on confidence. Like I feel like right away should you I, were you were, my Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> Second time you brought him up, is he on your mind? I, I know it's not the same weight class. Yeah, you got the posture. Are you cool with that, the Connor stuff? Like, yeah, Connor's cool. I love, I like, I like him. You're Sports okay with a, a guy who promotes himself, showman, all that stuff. You know, there are some people who hate him, right? Yeah. That he gets all this attention. Yeah, I can see why, but at the end of the day, you're only in this sport for you know, God knows how sure, long. Yeah. Anything happens to you, you know. I'm not. Yeah, almost. Yeah. What were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? <laughs> no, no, Come no, on, no. man. <laughs> What's going on? No, just reflecting on this thing about injuries I've had, and I'm just like, you know. Maybe I should go back and get my master's, but um, oh, you think about that? No, no, not right now. But sometimes when when I do get hurt, yeah, I think like man, you know, that could have been sure could have been it. But master's in what? On the total or okay. health? I'm like on a total opposite spectrum. Like you know, you start coming start a fight. Like I was in corporate America. Like, sure, I, I did the suicide. You're still right. Not no more. Like now, I'm like you're done. Now I'm done. That's it. Oh, I'm wow. focusing full time on, on. Some of my friends think I'm crazy because I have my Series Seven license. I I graduated from a you know prestigious university with a double major, and they're like, "Why are you getting in this octagon?" And I'm like, "Wearing a certain tie every day, going into the city, working for you know banking. It was all it was cool and all, but I just felt like I was missing something. Like I always wanted to compete. I had these weird dreams that I that I'll be like wrestling some way, and it you know, came to fruition. And realistically. I love what I do. Mm. Like, I hear guys complaining about pay all the time. Do I feel like we should get more money? Of course, but think about how many people pay you to go to a gym, how many people pay you to go lift weights, and they're paying monthly for that. We get to do something we love. I get to spend time with my kids. Like, that to me trumps anything. Like, when did you say goodbye to corporate America? Um, probably like a year now. It's been a year. Yeah, I, I can't like was after, that, the, after that, that was a big part of the show that you were doing this other job. There, yeah, it was after the show. After the show, after I came home from the show, and I knew I was in the finale. Mm -hmm. I still worked for like two, three months, and I was talking. I forgot who I was talking to. I might have been Al. I might have been um, you know somebody at the gym, maybe Pat. And he was like, "Yo, you only get you know it's a short window. Like I could always go back to you know, corporate America, but I want to give it my all. You know, I want to give it everything I got. And I can't say I was on the biggest stage. And I didn't you know work my butt off because." I feel like if you don't have, if you don't take this full time and seriously, there's no way you're gonna reach your your, mm. your maximum, you know, potential because there's just so much to learn. There's not enough hours in a day to get good at jujitsu, judo, wrestling, boxing, muay thai. It's just it's just so many different elements, and for you to 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 commit to it means everything. If five years, six years from down the road, I want to go back and be a business manager, go back to banking, I could definitely do it. But um, I love what I do, and like I said, 
spending time with my kids, being able to take them to school every day, pick them up, do their homework, and make my training schedule where I'm involved in their life. You know, it's not bad being a, a, a PTA dad. Around a year ago, my neighbor... <laughs> About a week ago. <laughs> no, a year ago, my neighbor said to me, I, uh, I work with, as a teacher, with uh, a UFC fighter. Yeah. I won't say her name out of respect, yeah. but uh, you, you're currently a teacher, right? Yeah, I was subbing. I'm still subbing. I just substitute teacher. Yeah, when I get closer to the fight, I just stop, just so I can, you know, really give the last four or five weeks hard. So, Um, but I I do my open mat stuff and I coach there still. So that's kind of stuff I still do even when I'm training Uh because that's just something I just love to do. It's just a part of me. Um, I just like help, helping the kids. That's just what age are we talking? High school, middle school. Wow! So they're back. They're probably bigger than Alja. Yeah. yeah, some of them are. <laughs> and real are. brats, right? I gotta beat them up. I are they brats? Uh, the middle school kids. Some of them could be a little. Could be a little, yeah. But they want to challenge you, right? They yeah, want... yeah. But for the most part, they they already know what it is. Do Do they <laughs> know, know who you are? Do they, Are they told that you're a UFC fighter? Because I feel yeah. like that would. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like they respect you more as opposed to because you know substitute teacher? That's usually free reign to. You know, cause there was, havoc. There was one lady. They called me in probably about three weeks ago, and I wasn't doing anything that day. It was my off day. And I was just like, you know what? I'll come in. She was like, yeah, this class is out of control. The kids are they're running this lady crazy. So they called me in to come in and cover the class. I was like, all right. I came <laughs> in. They're going nuts, and I'm just like, why are you guys torturing this old lady? And then she's like, she's like writing them referrals and all this stuff. And then oh. she, the one kid is coming up to me. And she's like, she was talking about my mom. I'm like, wow, this is this is really intense right now. So she ended up leaving. Eastside High. Yeah, and then I, I covered it, and then it was good. She was like, yeah. Pretty much as soon as I came there, they knew what time it was, and it was kind of like, I told them, I was like, yo, you guys can do whatever you want. As long as you guys aren't jumping through the window and breaking stuff, it's good with me. So you just let them do whatever they, you're not actually teaching the kids? Well, for no, that's subbing. When I'm subbing, oh, okay. if I'm subbing for phys ed, then I actually put the kids to... Oh, you're to, subbing like in a classroom. Yeah, here. yeah. So you don't, ha- you don't get to teach them the curriculum or all No, that. I don't do that. So what do you do? You that sit there? That hands-on stuff. I just sit there. And what and do they I, do? I talk to the kids sometimes. I mean, just chilling we talk out. about life... Yeah, we talk about life, you know, life goals, life things. Some kids will come up to me and talk about the fights and some of my fights that I've had. But for the most part, if I'm doing phys ed, I'm actually, you know, teaching stuff or putting sure. them in gameplay and things like that. So how long... Like when, you, when you're brought in as a teacher in a classroom, not phys ed... Yeah. How long are you there sitting with nothing to do with these kids? Because that feels like it's kind of daunting. It really is. But it's, it's, it's for the entire day. But it's one, you know, one period at a time is about 42, 43 minutes. And then but you have to sit with them for the entire day? Yeah. Not, not the one, one class. Oh, okay. We have different you classes coming in. Yeah, yeah. So shuffle around a little bit. But if it's in one class, sometimes it's just like these same four walls yeah. all day. That's how it is in the corporate world, man. Being in a bank and you're just like... Oh man, it's just something's it's just missing. Very monotonous, yeah. man. Yeah. That's why again, that's why I say the whole thing with Australia, man. Again, you know, go out there and him going to um, Ireland. Yeah, it's like I probably would have never done that ever in my life. You know, I probably if I wasn't wrestling or training right now, I'd probably probably would have stayed home, not go to school, and probably just what do you think? Getting in you gangs do? with like really? my my other brothers. Your 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 actual brothers? Yeah, my they're in gangs. Real, real brothers. Well, I had one who was gang affiliated and. Uh, I don't even, I, you know, it's weird. I have like a weird mix. I come from a family of 20. Big. 20? Yeah, 20 siblings. Not Holy. 20 siblings, uh, 20 of us. 19. Wow. So there's a bunch of us and uh, it's a lot of different personalities, a couple of egos here and there and uh, just we clash a lot, you know, different moms, all the same dad, but just the way everyone kind of grew up. Did you actually all live in the same? At one time, no, no. The okay. most I think we had at one time was about 10 or 10. 10. I think wow. 10. Still a lot. Yeah, so it, was, it, it got a little crazy and going through high school... We did have like a, 
our little times where we were debating whether or not we were going like, to join some gangs and not even some gangs, join a gang. And uh, yeah, it, I'm just glad I made the, the uh, decision not to do that because it was, uh, it would have been a very short. Cause I, I'm like, for me, it's like all or nothing, you know? Yeah. So if I went with that, I would have been guns in blazing, to yeah. Yeah. going crazy. Yeah, just, just, yeah, that's just how I am. Where do you I'm fall? Off the wall. The, in 19, like what number are you? I'm the fifth oldest. Fifth oldest, yeah. all right. So no one really messed with you, though, growing My up. My older brothers used to beat me up. They did? <laughs> wow. Yeah, they beat me up. Uh, I mean, we all fought. Brother stuff, sister stuff, brother and sister stuff. You know, did what big brothers do, and big brothers did to me what big brothers do. And, uh, are you close with them now? Eh. None of them? I mean, we... we I have a very weird family. It's wow. very... Uh, a lot of moving parts. I say that. There's some. I'm more close with my sisters than any of my brothers. I would say I'm probably close with two of my brothers. But are they jealous I, of you? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to say. I don't know. What about your parents? <laughs> I'm, I'm easily hated. It's like weird. It's Why? Like you do something, you're the bad guy. You don't do something, then you're still the bad guy. So it's like a lose lose. What about your parents? Um, I don't talk to my dad. You don't. That guy's to me is just the worst kind of a person why he's just he's just not a good he's just not a good parent okay he's good when it comes to saying here you know here's some money sure but besides that he's not a good what about your mom him. my mom she's uh they're both immigrants so oh they none of them had their i don't think any of them had their green cards and uh i mean my mom's more the, the i guess the affectionate loving type and uh she really was there for for me when i was a kid and uh do you speak to her now though i still speak to her okay very, very Does she live much, in, yeah. in in new york yeah oh okay so i see her pretty much almost every day every other day your mom's an immigrant too. Yeah, baby. Jamaica. We're, we're both, Jamaica. We're both Jamaican. Both, both yeah. Jamaican. Yeah. Oh, that's why you guys that's are buddies. It, you know, like, we're like yeah, brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same city, same town uh, in Jamaica. I'm Montego Bay. I don't even know. You don't I, even know. I know. I, I say the country, and like people look at me like, yeah, I never heard of that. That's Jamaica. I, I came here when I was not, young. Not, though. not the country. Oh, the, the, the town. town. Sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I came when I was three years old, man. So like, you know, I had a big family too. I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest of six. Okay. So like, you know, I guess it's just you know, our culture to have a big family, but. I see exactly where Aljo's coming from because, like, Unidale has a nice, large size of Jamaican popularity. Yeah. So it's almost like, it's almost, I lived in Unidale for, like, you know, a year or two. So it's, it's, it's tough, man. When you talk about family, like, what he was talking about in his relationship with his dad, like, my dad was the worker. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, both my parents are still together, but, you know, my dad became more part of my athletic life as I got older, which was a little bit weird. My mother was a school bus driver, hard worker, and she was always there, you know? So it's like you always need one you know, one side of the spectrum when it comes to parents, but I get it, man. Like, that's why I'm so involved with my kids now because, you know, my dad did a great job supporting for us, and as I got older, he showed me, you know, that he's there for me athletically as well and academically, but when you're, um, when you know, you, when you're a kid, you don't realize the, the, that those things. So I feel like, you know, it shaped me to be who I am. Like, I talked to Chris and some of the guys at the gym. I feel like sometimes it's stressful because I'm just so involved in my kid's life, and they're like, dude, how the heck do you do it? But I feel like it's, that's that's the reason I fight. Like that that that's motivates me. That that crazy chaos of them running around the gym and coming. It's like it's almost like normal for me. I saw something on your Facebook page about that people were mad at you that you put your kids out in this. Oh my! Like, what, what is that all about? This is this. Mike, like I was a, I was a great athlete from my high school, which is Freeport, and they just started like a football program. So, but my kids, they played because I was working. I was fighting. So if they couldn't get the practice, I needed somebody to help me. So my mom lived in Unidale, mm-hmm. and she signed my kids up for Unidale, you know, the football team, and they excelled, man. They were like they were undefeated for two years, like MVP. Like they were doing like really good, 
And then Unidale played Freeport, and my kids put up some serious numbers against them. I thought about two touchdowns apiece. They did phenomenal. Like, the coaches and everybody's like, why are your kids playing for them? You live in Freeport. You're a Freeport alumni. I'm like, were you guys going to take them to practice? Like, oh, wow. So it was like, it was like a the big real thing. controversy. Yeah, it was, like, it was like weird. I'm like, guys, they're eight and nine years old. Like, this is just for them to have fun. And I made a good decision because they got picked to play in uh, the, the Hall of Fame game. They're going to Canton, Ohio, traveling. Wow. For, yeah. August. When's that? It's uh, August 14th to 16th. So Will you go? I'm going 100%. Course, I coach, right? too, though. So I, I oh, coach. Huh? Yeah, I coach for them. So for me, it's like these kids are learning you know, discipline. They're learning leadership. And they're doing well with it. So I think I made the right decision. What if they want to be a fighter? I'll do anything. If my kids want to be a musician, whatever they want to do, I'm going to support them as long as they work their hardest and they give it their all. Whatever they choose to be, they just got to give it 100%. I don't care. They could be anything. They want to be a doctor, lawyer, anything that's positive, that's going to you know, do good for society, I'm all for it, and I'll support them. I was a football player. I went to college. I thought I could be playing in the NFL. If I, yeah. was, if I was to say what I was going to do when I grow up, it would be an NFL football player. But if that's not the route they want to go... They want to be a golfer, tennis. I, I don't care what it is. It's just, I want them to be happy with whatever they're doing. True or false? Master of the chocolate molten lava cake? Accurate? Because I got to tell Very you, my favorite, my favorite dessert, when I read that, you shot up in my personal rankings. <laughs> How does one make one of those? Um, I picked up a recipe online. Okay. And, um, <laughs> That's made it. it from scratch. Like everything. From yeah. scratch? I made it from scratch. How often do you make it? the batter. I haven't made any in a... Maybe in a couple months, just because of the, my dad just came home and uh, kind of just flipped everything upside down. So oh. everything's been kind of a circus. I'm actually just finding a new, a new place to, to live. Okay. And um, after this fight, I'm going to be moving out. So there's just a lot of things going on in You're my life You're still living right now. with your mom? No, she actually had to move out. Well, she moved out, and then she ended up getting an a order of protection against her from my dad. He, like, made up some stories or whatever, and... Uh, so she wasn't like allowed to come to the house. The only thing she could do now is visitations for the kids, and so like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff in the Sterling household. Are you gonna stick around on Long Island? Or are you gonna stay there? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to still stay in Unidale. That's what okay. I want to do. I'm a Unidale guy, man. I wanna I wanna be in the community, and that's that's just who I am. Has it been stressful leading up to this fight? It's a big fight for you, obviously. You know, a lot of people ask me that because a lot of people know what's going on and stuff, but I don't. For me, it's kind of like I kind of dealt with him growing up through middle school and high school, and I kind of know all the shenanigans that he does, and he likes to pull. I know the type of person he is. And it kind of it used to rub me the wrong way, and then I kind of just hit like a, a turning point when I was kind of like nothing this guy could do can phase me. And kind of just everything he throws at me kind of just bounces off. If anything is more annoying, it's just like I got to go deal with something because he's, you know, doing something against me and provoking me. It was just like any way I can uh, ignore it, I do it. And, uh, I mean, stressful not so much. Like I said, I've been dealing with him for, for a while, so I know how to kind of play the angles and <coughs> kind of stay in my own lane and avoid people. Okay, back to the cake. Break it down in, in 30 seconds. Like, how, how does one make one of these cakes? What's well, the key? You need the ramekins. You need uh, the... What's, what, what's that? Yeah, I got ramekins. It's like these little containers that you put Oh, in yes, 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 of course. <laughs> yeah, so you need that. You need, like, the Already flour. you lost us. Oh, <laughs> God, God. You need, like, the confection of sugar, all that. You need the eggs. You need the... the I like how he's just like brushing a confection. Dude, I, I don't I even have, know what to You're speaking Russian right yeah. now. I have no Dude. clue what you're talking about, which is, I love Dude, food. I love food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got to get the little egg beater thing and uh, the sifter. So when you pour the, the flour in, it kind of like spreads it out. And Dude, there's so much stuff. And then once you put it in, it, it only takes about 
30, maybe 40 minutes. The whole process? The whole process. Wow. Then once you put, you put it in the oven, like 450, this way it preheats. <laughs> you preheat it, and then okay. you put it in at 450. Okay. So once you put it in, it hardens on the outside, and as soon as it hardens in the, on the outside, you leave it in for about 12, 14 minutes. Take it out, you slice it. And voila, uh, we have the molten lava cake. Wow, that's that's <laughs> is that your specialty? That's that's one of my favorite things. I actually did it for the high school. We did, when I was actually teaching there a lot longer. I think I had a, I had a position that my, my, they gave me my own class. It was wow. a point one position, so I was teaching my own class or whatever. And then uh, what kind of class? Phys ed. Okay, okay. So my own phys ed class. Yeah. I was a point one. What does a point one mean? It's you have one class every other day. Okay, okay. So that was my class. I actually graded them and everything, and taught them their nice. lessons and things like that. So we so did I'm that. Learning stuff too. Today. Yeah, yeah. See yeah. how about this? So when we did that, um, we had like Christmas come, Christmas break coming up, and everyone had to come bring in their own dish. Everyone had to make something from scratch. Of course, some of the other guys cheated and they brought some of their own things in, like from from a store. But a lot of us kind of made everything from from scratch, and that was my my uh, gift to everybody. So wow. I brought uh, I think I brought in like eight, and everyone loved it. The whole phys ed staff loved it, and uh, they definitely want me. I didn't get to do it this year. I did it last year. I didn't get to do it this year because of. The whole, like I said, the whole craziness happened at yeah. the house, and uh, hopefully I get to do it this year. Oh, you gotta bring it to Jim now. After after, yeah. after everybody's fights, can you bring over? some for the media on Saturday? <laughs> Everyone will score the fight in your favor. You'll, they they'll love you. I mean, how about you not even bringing any to this show today? I know, a little well, I can't eat it. We can't eat it right now. By the this way, is, this guy's diet is ridiculous. I can't even talk to him. It gets me. It gets what? He, you he's eat like everything. A, he's a genetic freak, dude. Yeah. This guy will have Eminem before training. I'm just like, how in the world? Or pre-workout, it, dude, it's insane. McDonald's, all that? Do you eat all that? No, no, no. You don't do that. I haven't had that in like three years. Okay. I have, my body feels so much better without it. Yeah. I don't like the smell of it. It's kind of like, yeah. No. Grosses you out. When, yeah. Once you really kind of figure out what's in it and all that, yeah. you don't uh, want it. Yeah. You still eat? You still eat it? No, nah, I'm I, I'm to the point now. I could take my kids to yeah. like a fast food place, and I'm just like, nah, no thanks. No thanks. Just because, man, you you feel the, the difference in your body when you perform and you eat that. Right. Oh, it's, if as as good as McDonald's fries used to taste to me, if I have one now, I'll just be sick for like a good couple hours. Yeah, like, yeah, it's not even worth it. By the way, you say you're from Uniondale, but originally are you from Roosevelt? Roosevelt, yeah. Yeah. Roosevelt, stand up. You see, I I have never been there, but I hold it in high regard. That's where my my hero Howard Stern is from. Did you know that? Oh no, I didn't know. He was that. born there. He talks about it often. Be he was like one of the only white kids at the high school. Very, yeah. It's not it's not not very uh, popular for white people to live there, right? Mm, nah. They're they're the minority. So he would get beat up all the time. Also, the great Dr. J is from there, right? Julia Serving, the basketball player. I think Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you give me Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. You don't know about your own hometown. <laughs> I mean, I went there as an elementary school kid till sixth grade, and I Howard Stern. You know Howard Stern, no, is, I know right? How, Mr. The Stern. greatest <laughs> broadcaster of all time. I used to watch his show late at night. My, my mom yeah. didn't even know. I used to watch his show. He used to have some craziness. He had a cartoon about his time in high school in uh, Roosevelt, Long Island, about him getting beat up, and he was a big nerd because he looked kind of funny and He's all that. He's a tall nerd. And how about yeah. that? That's that's a great claim to fame. That's great. That's actually that's pretty cool. You seem cool. pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a cool guy. I like. I like. I said I listen to his show. Sure, to... sure. A New York legend. Yeah. You guys are on the cusp of being New York legends. By the way, the last time we had two Longo Serra guys in studio, right? Okay, well, let me say, the first time we ever had two Longo Serra guys, funny story, February 2011, John Volante was about to debut in Strike Force, and he brings a friend with him. I didn't really want to talk to the friend. In fact, I kind of felt bad. I was like, do we really have to talk to this guy? He's not in the UFC. No one knows who he is. Called him Chris Weedman. <laughs> and then... I actually watched that show. I remember Lo that. and behold... Look who becomes the man. Yeah, I remember that show, actually. So it's actually a good thing for guys to come in pairs. That's it. This time I wanted both of you on, but 
I feel like great things are about to come just because you've been on the show here together. There's there's no doubt about it. Like I I'm, I'm I don't want to you know, swing anybody, but dude, this is the next champion right here. Next champ. This is I'm telling I'm telling everybody now. So I, I you heard it here first on heard, this show. This is the next champion, and and listen, I feel like this big thing. Our whole camp is. I feel like we got four or five guys that could be champion in the UFC. How like far away are we from from talking about being in that, you know, Dillashaw Burrell territory? I would have to say after this fight. Really? I would. You're ready so. for it. I would. I would think so. I mean, there's I not there's not much higher sense. to go after Mizugaki, but in your mind, you feel like you're ready for that. Yeah, I just don't. Like I said, on paper, not even on paper. Just yeah, yeah, on paper, skill set. I think I match up well with any of these guys. But the whole thing, like I said, it would have been cool to kind of build the momentum and the hype behind me a little bit, so yeah. people could get to familiarize themselves with me before I make that big jump. But I wasn't getting any fights, and it was kind of like whatever, man. Like the whole thing with Frankie Signs, like I was told he tore his ACL or something like that. And then next, you know, like two months later, this guy's had a fight against Yuri Alcantara. I'm like, this makes no sense. How, mm. how on earth did this guy come back? Unless he didn't get surgery or something and it, or it wasn't that bad. I, it just didn't make any sense to me, but whatever. But yeah, I wasn't getting any other fight offers, so we just took what we had to take. So if you get past, when you get past Mizugaki, you want to be in that discussion? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it makes sense, especially with everybody being hurt. I think that's the reason why, just because everyone's hurt. Sure. If everyone was healthy and ready to go, then I would say... Uh, one or two more fights, but I think with everyone kind of out in the on the sidelines, I think it just makes sense. How do you beat him on Saturday? I think I either choke this guy unconscious or wow. smack him with a head kick. Early, late? How do you how do you foresee it playing out? I, I I'm going with the second round. Okay, second round finisher. And how about you? You 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 set the table, right? That's it, man. I'm, I'm excited. You're about gonna that. You're going to start things off. That's it. Why are you excited about that? Because I feel like I always wanted. You can't. Ask for a better better script, you know, fighting in my hometown, getting the yeah. crowd going. The way I'm picturing this fight is just to be in his face. Like, I don't want this to go to the judges or decisions. Like, yeah. I, I I don't care if it's a first round knockout, second round, third round, uh, choke, whatever. I just want to just put on a spectacular show, get everybody fired up for the rest of the card. And I feel like that's what's going to happen because I just trained way too hard. I don't care who I was fighting. I respect Chris Dempsey. He's a tough guy, blue-collar worker, you know, great wrestler, but he's not Chris Weidman. He's not Volante. Like, I train with the best guys in the world. I get to roll with this. When he says he's funky, he's funky. I get mm. to roll with the best guys in jiu-jitsu. I feel like I wrestle with the best guys, Chris and Volante brought in guys from Hofstra who wrestled in Division One. So I just feel like I train too hard, and you get what you you know, you know put into it. And I'm going to set the card off on fire, and that's just the plan. There's no doubt about it. I, I feel like... Um we have a great candidate here for Y'all Must Have Forgot. You know Y'all Must Have Forgot. You remember that Roy Jones song? Oh, yeah, that's actually must, going. You know, you know that yeah. song? <laughs> y'all Must Have Forgot. I love that song. Dude. We have a candidate right here because every card now I have a Y'all Must Have Forgot. Okay, someone that we may have slept on, that we may have forgotten about. Like Miracle Krokop won the award this past, you know, it comes yes. out of nowhere. Yeah. This week, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at Jim Miller as well because I think a lot of people have forgotten about him. He has a big fight. This. But you can remind people, they may have forgotten that the oh, truck, dude, the truck is a beast. You know what? My thing is that it doesn't matter because what's going to happen is. Whoever in the division, they like. I feel like the 185 is probably one of the stackedest division in the UFC. But I like. I, I hate to beat a, a dead horse, but I trained with mm. the best pound for pound guy. I'm saying it now, like literally. I think Chris, no doubt about it, is the best pound for pound fighter in the world. I get to train with him every day. I get to train with Al. I get to train with Aljo. I get to train with Matt Sarah. Right? It's it's just you get to get that measuring stick. Yeah. Like these guys. They're not training with tougher guys than I'm fighting, and they're not sparring. When we spar, it's, like, it's, it's just a, uh, uh, an exhibition fight. It's just a sparring session. Literally, there's no different than a UFC fight. And I just feel like I'm getting prepared by, by the best. And 
every day I'm getting better. And like I said, if somebody wants to fight me, they better fight me soon because in the next few fights, I'm going to be pretty pretty hard to beat. And I'm uh, I'm going to make a statement this weekend. Well, guys, I know it's a, it's a bit of a trek to come out here, so I appreciate the time very much. This is a lot of fun. Oh, Did dude, you enjoy you know, it? Yeah, Without a cool. doubt. Yeah, I yeah, learned yeah. some stuff about the funk master over here. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah. the guy's you a professional baker. New. He's baking cakes for everybody after uh, everybody fights. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's a whole new gimmick for you. I should probably do that and bring bring it to the weigh-ins or something. Yeah. Come out in the whole chef outfit. I got to get my M&Ms going, man. I, I don't know what's up with Mars. Why why aren't they talking Sponsorship, to me? Sponsorship. Maybe sure. after this. I eat I M&Ms after, before every fight. I eat M&Ms after every fight. In the locker room? Bag. In the locker room? Uh, not right before, but okay. I'll have it like uh, early in the day or really? what right kind? after the fight. Any I like the yellow bag. I'm all the about the yellow bag. Peanuts. Yeah, because yeah. of Unidale. That's what it is. <laughs> why Unidale? That's their color. Yeah, yellow, yellow, oh, that's black. right. Of course. How about the Islanders leaving? Huh? You guys sad about that? That's just no? the tweets insane. I, I just feel you like... You don't really care. I've, no, I actually went to my first Islander game. When? Um, Probably about four weeks ago. You grew up in Uniondale. They're my leaving. first... At United, we never had... We don't have hockey in Uniondale. Yeah. <laughs> it's too so, expensive, you know, man. We play floor hockey. Right. And that was always fun. If we had a hockey team, I probably would have played hockey. Sure. But are people sad about it over there? I think yeah, so. Yeah, but yeah, but what did I like? I hope they made it final. There's gonna be a mall or something crazy. Like, and I oh, live right yeah. there. I live right there. I know. Dude, right by the Starbucks. I live you, right there. Really? Yeah. Well, they have a playoff run. I don't know if you know that. They, the playoffs no, are about both, to start. Both New York teams are doing good, man. That's, uh, could you imagine Rangers Islanders one more time? Why not? I figured that'd be great. Maybe they'll, they'll keep the Coliseum yeah. there, bring them back. Yeah. I, don't I know. just feel it's wild. We lost the Jets. Yeah. The Jets used to be across That's the street. Right. Now we're gonna lose the Islanders. It's like. I don't get it. What is it? Taxes are too high in Long Island? Something like that. They wanted to build a new arena, I think, and the, the city wouldn't step I heard, up. I heard the arena like, is probably the worst in NHL. It is decrepit. I was it's, there. It's I like went to see Frozen bad. on Ice with my kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went there to see the wrestling, though. They had Monday Night at the Oh, Coliseum. yeah, Monday Night Raw. Yeah. My kids forced me to go. And, like, it's just you don't like it. I loved it when they had Legion of Doom, Ultimate sure, Warrior, sure, sure. Sting. Like, those are my guys. <laughs> like, literally, the Steiner brothers, because they were wrestlers. Right. That's when it was, it was the best. But now I can't even I can't keep track. I feel like. These guys are like fly-by-night guys. Now, I can't even tell you who's the champion. Sure, what you sure. call it, lost the belt um, at WWE. Brock, Brock, yeah. Brock lost it. I can't even tell you he who lost he lost to. to. Who did he lose to? Holy See, mo- look at that. Who did he lose to, guys? Who did he lose to? Can you give me a name? Oh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Okay, Seth yeah. Rollins, there you go. See, right. I went like literally when, when Hulk Hogan fought Ultimate Warrior, like that was that was it. That, that was, was it. WrestleMania that, 6, oh, Toronto. April 1st, 1990, I remember. Wow, that's, see, that's impressive. I don't know the date, but that was like, that was like, I used to wasn't even born. Wait, you probably weren't even born yet. 80, okay, fine. I literally used to take paper. I used to take paper, make the Ultimate Warrior face, tape it on, get the thing, run around, shake the ring. Good old days. The good old days, indeed. All right, let's make some memories on Saturday. Best of luck to you guys. Really awesome. looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks I, for having us. I think it's a great card, like you said. And uh, Chris is actually going to be working with me for Fox. Yes, I absolutely. think he's leaving in the middle to go corner Volante. That's yeah. what I was told. Sounds, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but uh, so we'll, so we'll be keeping tabs on you guys. I wish you the best. Thank you very awesome. much for Thanks coming. Thanks for having us. There they Thank are, you. Eddie Truck Gordon, Aljamain Sterling. Follow them on Twitter. You see their Twitter handles. They got big oh, fights coming up. What I broke happened? It. You I break it, you buy it. No problem. You have to buy it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, we're going to go inside the vault as we say goodbye to these guys and reconfigure the studio. So we have two fun ones for you. We'll go uh, first, April April 30th, 2011. I spoke to Sensei Steven Seagal. You guys fans of his? I like uh, Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill, right. Uh, I spoke to him after uh, Leonardo Machida defeated Randy Couture at UFC 129, so I thought that was apropos this week. And also, right after that, we'll look at my very first interview with Luke Rockhold. That took place... August of 2009, a young Luke Rockhold, both of them fighting this week in a huge fight in the middleweight division. So that's Inside the Vault. After those, we'll be back right here on the MMA Hour. Do not go anywhere. Don't miss a beat.
Really didn't match me. Ariel Hawani post fight at UFC 129 alongside Master Steven Seagal once again. And uh, it's the second time we see you in two months. Yes, sir. And the second time uh, a good friend of yours knocks out his opponent yeah, with a front kick to the face. That's Unbelievable. Right. Thank you. What did you think when you saw that? I saw you celebrating with Anderson. Well, what did you, you think? Machin is like a son to me. And uh, so is Anderson. We worked very hard on that kick for a long, long time. With Machida Kun, I also worked on elbows, punches, ashtabaki, uh, the entering with the feet and knees and stuff. But I really, really worked hard on that kick, and I wanted him to do that kick. And he wanted to do it, and he knew he could, and he did. <laughs> so prior to the fight, you guys were talking about the kick and thinking that you could actually connect on this. Oh, we, that's all we've been talking about. You know, and I was screaming at him, and I think he heard me. I was screaming at him. I said, do the kick, do the kick. And, and when Anderson connected on the kick, did he look at that and say, you know what, I, th I could do the same thing? Well, of course he thought that, <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, with Machida Kun, because his, his waza is a little closer to mine, we worked on a lot of stuff, but we really worked on that kick. How proud are you of him, especially considering the fact he was coming off two straight losses? Amazingly proud. I love the boy and I'm just astounded. Phone is blowing up here. Maybe people that want to talk about the kick, right? Yes. Yes. Now I have this to ask you. Wife. Yes. Oh, is she proud of him as well? Mom, I'm in the middle of an interview and the, and the interview guy wants to know if you're proud of Leo de Machida. That's my son. He's proud as well. Good. And uh, the interview, we're on camera now, and the interview man wants to know if you're proud of Leota Machida. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Of course, I heard that. Of course. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, I heard that too. So I'm going to finish uh, the interview, Mom, and I'll call you back. Everything's okay? Yes, everything is good. We're going to bed. Good night. I'm fond oh, of you. Kunza. Good night. What does that mean? Daddy, I love you. <laughs> okay, love you. Love you. Bye-bye. I have to ask you, um, after the Anderson Silva kick against Vitor Belford, you, you talked to us and you explained, um, there were some people in the MMA community who said they weren't buying what you were selling. I don't know if you saw Basrud, and a lot of people were saying that you were taking credit for a kick that has been done many, many years ago, and they were showing footage of it, and a lot of people didn't buy it, essentially, and I wanted to get your response to that. I mean, listen, Vito Belfort also said that it was just a lucky kick. Everybody has their opinion. Some people have sour grapes. Some people have jealousy. <clears throat> I didn't invent anything. I modified them in such a way that I think I can make my students and myself in a real fight land them and hurt people, you know? And that's all I can say. It's the same with my punches. You know, my punches are a little bit different. They're punches that I've learned for a ton of years that I've modified. Am I the inventor of kicks and punches and anyone done kicks like that? Of course. I'm not saying I invented anything and nobody should put those words in my mouth. Do you think this has added to your legacy? I mean, you, you've been around um, the martial arts world for so many years, but it seems like in the last couple of months, much more talked about and, and almost sort of connecting that era to this new MMA era, if you know what I mean. Listen, I've been doing the martial arts since I was a baby. I love the martial arts. They are my life. 
Um, many people consider me, you know, one of the great masters in my own field. And many people probably think I'm an idiot that, you know, doesn't know anything. So it's uh, everybody's opinion. All I can say is everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I love the martial arts. I dedicate my life to the martial arts. I devote a lot of time and love to the preserving of the martial arts and helping my students and my friends. Nobody's paying me to come here. I came here because people asked me to come and asked me to help. I'm giving my heart and the little bit of knowledge I have. Final question. Do you think that now that we've seen two of the, the best fighters in the world knock their opponent out with that kick, that other fighters are going to try to, to land it and land it as precisely as you have taught Anderson and Lyoto? I mean, it's not an easy kick to learn. The way we're doing it is not easy. It's very deceptive. But I mean, like I said, with Lyoto, we were going over a lot of stuff. Different elbows, different punches, different angles, different all right, back on the Mixed Martial Arts Hour. We cut that short. We have a very good reason. If you're upset, I'm guessing you won't be in a matter of seconds. How about this surprise? Joining us live on the phone right now, there is one guest that in the five and a half years of doing this show that we have been unable to get on the air. One guest. There's only one name left. And he joins us right now. Nate Diaz is live on the MMA Hour right now. Nate, are you there? Yeah, hey, what's up? Hey, Nate, how are you? What a pleasure this is. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to finally have you on the show. I know you're a big fan of the show, big fan of talking to us, so thank you very much for the time today. Uh, let's get into it. There's a lot to talk to you about. We were just talking about it at the beginning of this show with Mark Holman. He was very excited about Matt Brown versus Nate Diaz. I spoke to you a little bit about this last week. Are you going to fight Matt Brown at UFC 189? Oh, I don't know. I don't know yet. I haven't talked to anybody about the fight, and uh, it hasn't been negotiated. So uh, I'm waiting to find out. Can you explain to me what exactly happened there? Because you know, we came out. What did Mark? What did Mark Coleman say? Was he pumped about the fight, or did he want? Did he want to make him my ass kiss, or what was his thought? Well, truth be told, he's a big uh, Columbus, Ohio guy. So he was excited about Matt Brown. He said he's very close to Matt Brown. He says he talks to him and watches him all the time. So he was excited about that fight. He was excited about the matchup and all that. He sounds like he's a Matt Brown guy, but he only had nice things to say. It wasn't like he was rooting for you to fail or anything like no, that. No, no, it's all good. I know I figured you same area probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, but can you explain what exactly happened here? Because it came out, it was announced, all that stuff, and then you told me that you never agreed to it. So how was it announced? What happened? Yeah, no. I, well, I was told that uh, I was uh, the Brown fight was talked about, but... Uh, they were supposed to work out a deal and figure figure it all out and uh, negotiate the fight the next Monday. And then all of a sudden, it, I never uh, necessarily okayed the fight. The fight was never negotiated. So, and then all of a sudden, it was like, <clears throat> I was getting blown up about the fight. So, uh, I think that it's a, that's a great fight. You know, everybody would want to see that fight. I would if I was just a fight fan. I think that would be the that. That sounds like an awesome fight, like a fight, fight to see, but we've never talked about, and uh, I don't appreciate it being, um, it's kind of like, a, it's like I'm being like uh, forced into a fight, you know, instead of talk to and <clears throat> dealt with fairly, so 
the fight, like I said, the fight was never negotiated. I just heard about it just like everybody else. Mm. And, uh, kind of blown out of proportion, so. But I like the fight. It sounds good. It sounds great. Uh, I don't like the circumstances of the fight. I want, you know, I think I deserve better, and he deserves better than to be on the undercard and to, to be on this big thing, uh, big, big contribution to Mr. Conor McGregor's pocket, you know. I think that, that uh, they're talking about him blowing up all these records of uh, of uh, being being the highest pay-per-view draw and the highest highest uh, watch fighter probably because they're putting me and Matt Brown on the undercard and Robbie Lawler on the undercard. Like I don't think that I think Robbie Lawler should have spoke up a little more about that too, being on the undercard of a of a card like that, but. I know, I know how it probably worked out good for him, so I, I think I think it's a, I think it's gonna be a great card and uh I think if I'm gonna fight fight uh a great second fight where a lot of people are gonna f- tune in to see me fight someone like Matt Brown, who's a great fighter too, uh I think that it should be work a little more, more, little more towards uh our end of the deal that everybody else's if that makes any sense. So are you saying you would prefer to be the main event? You feel like that fight yeah. is big enough to be a main event? You don't want to be on sort of... I don't know if you're on the undercard, per se, but below a Conor McGregor fight? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, I don't... I didn't, I didn't, uh, I'm okay with being on undercards and stuff and whatever, but that's definitely a main event fight yeah. right there, especially especially, uh, especially with the fight card that's been going on. It's ridiculous. Uh... I just, you know, they're making a humongous card, and and like I said, benefiting the main event, and I don't got nothing against the main event. That's great for them, but but those are the circumstances I'm talking about. They never negotiated. No one ever told me what, where, when, and how. Uh, I just heard maybe Matt Brown, maybe Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis has been, uh, or he hasn't been. He just said something about fighting me. I've been talking about fighting him for a long time, and. I, I don't care whether it's Matt Brown because Matt Brown's a big fight. Pettis is a big fight, and these are the fights I'm looking for. It's big fights and exciting fights. I'm, I'm not into fighting boring people, fighting boring fights, and being on boring tech cards, which this one wouldn't be. But I would like to, uh, I would like to know a little bit more about what I'm doing instead of just you know being being uh, strong armed into a fight, you mm. know. I don't need to hear that I'm fighting this guy now before it was even negotiated and worked out. And now I'm saying, no, that fight is not official. And now it's like, I'm the guy, like, not taking the fight or pulling out of a fight. But it's like, that's not the situation at all because I, I like the fight. I just would like to be uh, uh, appreciated a little better and, and, and uh, make sure stuff's confirmed before it's blown out of proportion. And so when we spoke about this briefly on Thursday, I mean, that was, what, like four or so days ago. Has anything changed? Has anything, you know, happened since then? Has anyone reached out to you and tried to clear the air? Where do we stand right now with the fight? That's what I'm saying. I haven't talked to anybody still, about anything. Still? Yeah, not still. The fight hasn't been, uh, been uh, it's just, they just have the, the, the uh, you know, they have the push power. They say, I'm fighting and I'm fighting now, so... 
I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, uh, it don't work like that. Maybe with all these other, these other guys out here, but I think that, uh, you know, if, if you, if, like, Ariel, if you're going to fight somebody next Saturday, I'm not going to just say that you're going to fight somebody. And I assume you're going to show up. I'm going to probably call you and make sure you can show up, right? Right. Talk about it. So, Are so you... no, I haven't. I haven't. But, uh, if 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 uh if it was if it was dealt with properly and and uh, the circumstances were better, then I'm I'm all I'm all aboard. You know that's a great fight, especially with a fighter like that. You know those are fights I'm trying to fight. I'm trying to fight a guy like Matt Brown and and Anthony Pettis, who I thought was probably going to be the guy fighting. He just lost. The same guy I just lost too. You know, one of the top top guys, and and uh, I'm not going to just fight somebody. To be uh, like having a good old time, letting time go by and fight, fight, fight people. You know, I, I think it won't, it should work out to my benefit and that benefit. And uh, I think a fight with those guys would benefit me, and I think a fight with uh, me would benefit them. So uh, if I could get it worked out, that'd be great. If if you had it your way, if you could choose. Which fight interests you more right now? The Pettis fight, you know, you guys have had your differences for the last couple of years, or the Brown fight. I know last year you said you were interested uh, in fighting him as well, but if, if you had a perfect scenario for you, would you rather Pettis at 155 or Brown at 170 next? See, the reason I, I talked about Brown last year, too, is because I've watched his fights. I've been watching him a long time. He's been around for, for a good, good amount of time, and he's, a, he's an entertaining fighter. He's one of the best guys to watch in the OC. So I'm like... <laughs> If I'm going to fight somebody, it's going to be someone like that. And it's going to be someone like Pettis, who's also entertaining and does good things, you know. Uh, to me, I think I think if it, if I'm going to fight anybody, you know, money talks. And I think it, it, it needs to be worth my while to uh, go out there and fight these guys. And if not, then, you know, I'd rather just, I, I don't really have, have time to bullshit around and fight, fight my life away. Like this, you know. I think, uh, I think, what whatever fight would be great, but whatever makes a little more sense, and and uh, and uh, the circumstances of of the fight, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we last saw you in December against RDA. It came out after that you were you were injured going into the fight. Does a part of you? almost regret going through with it because, you know, it didn't look like yourself. You, you miss weight, all that stuff. You had to go through the whole thing where, you know, there was, it seemed like it, it, some differences with the UFC and all that. I mean, it just didn't seem like a very enjoyable weekend in, in Phoenix for you. Do you regret going through with the fight? Yeah. Well, that's the same thing that happened with, with this Matt Brown thing was the same thing that happened with the last fight. It was never really, you know, it was just kind of like, you're fighting. I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I'm fighting. So it's kind of like, uh, it's all good. It's in fact it already happened, and uh, I just, I just, uh, I don't, I'm not end up being tricked into fighting anymore. You know, I think I should have a little more standing. I'm older now, and I'm, uh, if, like I said, if I'm gonna fight, I think it should be worth my while, not just because uh, they say I'm fighting. Now I'm fighting. Do you want to fight these days more at 170, so you don't have to make that cut to 155 anymore? If it's worth it, I'll I'll fight at uh, fifty five. Okay. Know? Like okay. I I don't have anybody to fight at fifty five. I fought everybody. That's different between me and the whole lightweight division. I fought everybody. The last 
going on nine years now. Yeah. I, I've been in the UFC longer than everyone in that probably whole UFC right now. So like probably Diego Sanchez and Grace and Chabal. You know, those are the only guys I could think of that have been in there longer than me. So I got I got I got probably the most fights in the UFC. Got anybody in the UFC right now. And um and uh if I'm gonna cut all that weight and, and get down to a small size, which I could do, it it's gotta be worth it. And I think I only have two people to fight at fifty five knock Anthony Pettis. And uh Rafael Dos Anjos could I lost to him. Uh and all, you know, if he loses, then we could fight too. I'm not trying to hunt down no belt. That don't mean nothing to me. I want to get my uh, my losses, my loss off. I want to get that back. And uh, as any credits, he's, you know, he's been around. He's been, he's been doing his thing lately. You know, he could be a little more active uh, and quit. You know, he could be a little more active. And I think I think that'd be the fight people want to see. So that's what I would drop drop weight for, you know. No interest, no interest in the belt at all. That what does the belt mean? That belt don't mean mean much to me. I think, uh, like I said, I want to see, I want to fight in fights that that matter. You know, but but like, uh, <clears throat> you know, some boring ass fighter has a belt. I don't want to fight that fight. I want to mm. fight entertaining fighters. I want to fight fights people want to see. And if I'm not fighting those fights, then I'm not going to be fighting. You know. But some might say that maybe the belt will lead to like sponsorship or better contracts, you know, more money, all that stuff. You don't view it that way. Yeah, it might. It might be, but you know that that. Uh, but whatever, you know. It, like if I can fight Rafael Dos Anjos, or uh, well, I want to fight Dos Anjos, so that's a bad, bad one. But uh, if. Uh, if there's some boring motherfucker holding the belt, or Anthony Pettis, or Dos Anjos, then I'm going to fight them, you know? Right. Uh, rather than the boring person with the belt. Because uh, I, if I have any boring fights on my on my record, then it's probably because uh, those people I was fighting were boring fighters, you know? So I don't want, I don't want any more boring fights in my career, you know? Finish out good and, and uh, go strong with some good fights. How many more years do you want to do this for, or fights? I mean, I'm wondering if you still enjoy the whole thing as much as you did when you first started. Um, you know, I just want to, I just want to get, get done what I got to get done. I want to, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I don't even think about it. I just want to, want to have a good opportunity open. I want, I want to piece of it. If not, I'm not going to just fight just uh, because. I feel like I've already fought enough to just fight because, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so if there's good, good fights, whenever, I'm sure I'll be around healthy for longer than most of these fighters, you know? Uh, By the way, I, I, think, I think a lot of people might not know this. Just a few rows in back of Ronda Rousey when she was at WrestleMania sat you and Gilbert Melendez. You were at WrestleMania. What was that like? Yeah, the WrestleMania was cool. You enjoyed it? Gilbert kind of- yeah, Gilbert, Gilbert hit me up. He's like, let's go to WrestleMania. I've never been there. I did actually when I was a kid. I went and saw The Undertaker when I was a kid here in Stockton. There was a show, and I went and checked it out, and I haven't been since then. So we went there, and I didn't know it was that crazy. I saw a show. I saw Travis Barker out there, and uh, a whole bunch of Ronda Rousey, a whole bunch of other, other people. So I had a good time. Did you know that Ronda was going to go into the ring and all that? 
I didn't know that, no. Did you that like was, it? Was, Did you enjoy it? It was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, it was crazy. It was like, uh, we just saw it at high and seven, and they were like 400 cage at the ring, so that was pretty crazy. Okay, so uh, I, I will let you go because uh, I know you're a busy man, and I got to say I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show here last minute. Um, where do we go from here? For those wondering, like you know, because I'm getting questions right now. So you know, what what's going to happen? Like, where do we go from here with the fight? Are you waiting to speak to the UFC? Do you want them to call you? How do we how do we fix this situation? Uh, yeah, I don't know. If they could, if someone got a hold of me, that'd be great. And. Uh, if if not, uh, it's all good too. You know, I don't want, I don't need to I don't need to fight. fight my, like I said, I don't need to fight my life away. Yeah, I'm all good with not fighting. So uh, if they want to, if, if we want to work that out, it'd be great. And uh, if not, I'll, I'll be watching and tuning in fights and making sure everything's going good and taking some time off relaxing. But as far as you're concerned right now, according to you, you're not fighting Matt Brown at UFC 189. Yeah, no. Just, just, uh, just hanging out so I talk to somebody. Okay. Nate? But thank- I think, like, like uh, what would you guys want? What would people want to see? Who do you want to see Matt Brown fight if not? If not? Um, hmm. Yeah. Not me. Who would you like to see him fight? That's a good question. There I- ain't nobody to fight. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody in the What is it? He could fight me or he could fight Joe Blow at 170. Like, it benefits him, it benefits me, by him. And look, at who do you want to see Anthony Pettis? If not by me, who do you want to see him fight? Well, that was the thing. I was kind of thinking, I wasn't expecting you to go up to 170, so I was kind of set on you versus Pettis because there's been that, that whole thing for so long. Um, I feel like Pettis has more options at 155 because he hasn't fought as many of the guys. Brown has been around a little longer. I feel like he has less options. Uh, who are you going to fight? Who, who's Pettis going to fight? Who do you want to see him fight? Um, maybe worry, here's here's the thing here's the thing if 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 Cerrone beats Nurmagomedov probably Nurmagomedov because they've had some differences lately you know what I'm saying yeah yeah see but uh so Cerrone he already beat yeah. Nurmagomedov that's boring he's either gonna knock out a uh, Russian dude or a Russian dude gonna hold on tight and have a long boring fight there's not much going on, you know, so it's like... You want you're, to you're not a fan of Nurmagomedov, right? No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a fan of, fan of boring fighters at all. So. Like, I think he's going to probably beat Desanos. Maybe I think Desanos is a better fighter. But uh, I think that... Uh, but, uh, like, who wants to see that shit, you know? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then there's Desanos. He's going to lose. He'll probably fight. He, Pettis don't ever want to fight those times again. That's obvious. I heard him on your show talking about it. And, you listen uh, to the show. Yeah, yeah, I listen to that one. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of them, but I, I listened to that one recently. And, um, so Matt Brown, yeah, nobody to fight. And then anybody, man, like I'm telling you, there's nobody for any of these motherfuckers to fight. They want to fight somebody, they want to get beat. Hey, check my record, too. I got more, uh, more, uh, higher, higher, uh, we get higher views on the fight than any of these any of these motherfuckers. Uh, they're saying that that uh, Conor McGregor is gonna blow these these pay per views out of the water or whatever. I've been usually fine, but they come out Fox. But I have like 
four, like three million, two, two and a half, three million, like hella high uh, tune-in for my fight. So if these guys want to fight somebody, somebody and get them points, they need to, they need to take real fights with me. And uh, besides me, there's no other, there's nobody other people to fight. You know? So Kyle McGregor keeps talking about coming up and fighting. Um, keeps coming up and talking about coming up and fighting Dosanias. I don't know where that's gonna be one. That guy, that guy's got like. 10 followers or some shit, so. If, they, if these guys want some real fights, then they can call and work it out and fight and figure it out. I'm, I'm game to fight. It's only going to be worth it. Did you see when Connor took Aldo's belt? What do you think of that? Holy <laughs> shit. I was like, what are you talking about? Aldo's <laughs> fucked up. His, his team's fucking up, Aldo. You know? Why? Why? Should, because, like, let me tell you something. If I had a partner fighting somebody... Like that, and they were gonna. He was gonna uh, make sure when this guy gets up in your face, you smack his ass to the floor. You know what I'm saying? You don't let somebody get, or just laugh at him. Like he got an eyeball. He got he got all bent out of shape when the guy took his belt. He should have just he should have laughed at him. Been like, keep the belt. Saying about the belt, it's about your ass whooping. You know, I don't let him have it. Mm-hmm. And you take that home and put it on. <laughs> you know, I think I think it was. But hey, Conor McGregor, he's doing his thing. You know, he's doing a good job with that, and. uh uh, I'm not hating on him. I think he's doing a great, great job marketing himself. Everybody's forgot who the champ is already because, because of his shit, you know, the McGregor show. Mm-hmm. Does it does it still blow your mind? By the way, at this point, that you're you're still you're not ranked. You're not in the top fifteen in the UFC rankings. Yeah, they just bad on math because I was number well. Was I was number three. I was number four <laughs> when they pulled me from the rankings. Yeah, I was number four. That I beat Graham Manor when he was number three, so I was number four. And then they pulled me from the rankings because they didn't like some stuff I said. So they pulled me from the rankings, and then I got back in the fight that time, and he was number three. So then when I lost to number three, when I was I was number four before they pulled me out. So when I lost to him, then that should probably make me number five or six. Instead, I'm just wiped away and gone. I think that's just bad math. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's kind of strange to me. Yeah, it's silly. You don't. You what don't really. You don't lose a lot of sleep over the rankings, though. I would imagine. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. A lot of stuff that, that uh, goes on doesn't make any sense, anyways. So, uh, I think that, like I said, I think they should try to do something. And, you know, make, make fights people want to see. Not, not no bullshit fights. So. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight, though, uh, when, uh, when uh, the good opportunity comes and it's worth the wild until then. It's all good. Uh, summertime, try out. I've long season just started. I was raised last week with my brother. How'd and, you uh, do? I did all right. Uh, I'm in a new division now, uh, a new um, age group. So uh, I'm in an age group with a lot of tougher racers this, this next couple of years. So i got to step it up and uh, pick up the pace. And uh, that's my goal this year. To uh, do better in the triathlon circuit, my my, my coach Damian Gonzalez is has been working for me and calling me, and he's like, "You guys are gonna get here, and she don't even uh, pay no attention to fight fight stuff." He, he's talking about getting in there and oh yeah, racing and doing good in the season. So that that's my objective for right now. If I'm not gonna be fighting, even if I am fighting, that's what I'm gonna be doing. By the that's way, mean, do you think your brother will fight again? My brother? Yeah. Uh, I have no clue. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know, know, know what's going on with him, his deals, or 
his um his, who would he fight right now? Silver, right? If anything. Again? Well, didn't they talk about him pop for steroids? Yeah, and, that's uh, true. I thought, well, I thought Nick won that fight. You know, a lot of people thought he won that fight. Yeah, it is true. That and, is uh, messed up. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I, so I forgot anything, about it. If anything, no NBA, anything that nothing else really makes too much sense except for that, maybe. Just keep talking about coming back sometime, I think. Yeah. Seems up in if, the air. If anything, if any, yeah, he's up in the air. Nick's up in the air. Silver's up in the air. So who knows? I don't know. I can't say anything on his behalf. I'm sure, fine. sure. No, I understand. Yeah. Wow. We'll see what happens. So, by the way, you know, Matt Brown tweeted a photo of a signed contract. You don't have one of those, right? I don't have no contract. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, where's my, I don't have a contract. I ain't got a phone call. I don't have any. I got the, I got the internet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's where, that's where, that's where I find out about most stuff. And like, if someone's not blowing me up in a text message that I'm fighting, you know, it was a, I woke up to that. Or glide. <laughs> or glide, right? Or glide. I love glide the glide. You know, I only glide with two people. I'm name dropping here, but I feel like I can. Yeah, yeah. You and your bro. It's great. I love it. I wish more people would use it. You guys should get paid by glide. No. Oh yeah, that's a great way for communication. I can't. I can't. They should pay you guys. They should pay you guys because you're such great uh, ambassadors for the app. For glide, huh? I think my brother has a has a uh, fan fan glide. He has uh, like some sort of VIP account or something, right? Yeah, because I'm gliding him the other day, and he's like, "Hey, motherfucker, stop gliding me on my uh, <laughs> <laughs> on my uh, on my uh, what is it, fan, fan page or fan, yeah, fan page." glide or whatever and I like damn what you got the same picture so I was confused I didn't know if it was his or, so I don't know if people could see that or what but he's like grabbed me on the other one so I deleted his fan one because I was, I was talking to a whole bunch of people I think instead of just him <laughs> okay let me ask you this Rockhold Machida who do you got um I don't you know let's watch the fight and see, okay. what, see what happens okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Will you be watching? I like California. I like California people better. Yeah, but <laughs> they're both Californian though these days, at least. But I get what you're saying. That's Rockhold. Yeah, but I don't care. I don't care. We'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's a good fight. You watch fights? Do you happens. go out of your way to watch fights? Um, fights you, nowadays you can't go out of your way because they're all in your face. But yeah, I watch what's going on. Okay, you follow it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I wish you the best, it's Nate. Boring. It's getting boring, huh? Um, I don't think so. It has its ups and downs. Sometimes. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Now, you know what doesn't have its ups and downs? This show, which I just found out you watch and enjoy. How about that? Are you on the show? Are people watching this? <laughs> Do people watch the show? Yeah. I think I mean, so. What, like a lot, a lot of people. I think so. Yeah, I think we're pretty popular. It's been going on for five and a half years, and we've never had you on. We had your brother on in November, and uh, no, December, November, November. Yeah, but never had you. You're the last one left. Name the fighter we've had him on this show. Never had you. At least like the big name fighters. Oh, I feel like that's a feather in your oh, well, cap. Like you were the last one. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta go. People are watching this, so. I That's know. Me to go. Okay, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Nate, hey, uh, th- all the best. This, 
All right, you have a good one. Okay, thank you, Nate. Talk to you soon. All right, yeah. Nate Diaz, how about that? People are watching. Thank you very much to Nate Diaz for stopping by. Let me fix my headphones. They're a little wonky here. I'll fix them in a second. That was a lot of fun. Wow, what a way to end the, uh, the program. We're not done yet, but as far as the interviews are concerned, didn't expect it. It happened. Thank you very much to Nate. And by the way, I didn't say it earlier. Thank you very much to Eddie Gordon and Aljamain Sterling, as well as their manager, Jason Rivera. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to get to know those guys. It's fun when guys come in. You don't know a lot about them. You've never really interviewed them at length, and you get to learn a lot, especially Sterling. Two guys to watch out for this Saturday in New York, New Jersey. I will be there, and guess what? Weigh-in show, pre-fight show, post-fight show, your boy will be hosting. How about that? Weigh-in show, pre-fight show, post-fight show. If you're not going to be at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, I will be hosting it on Fox Sports 2. They're all on Fox Sports 2. Prelims, by the way, are on Big Fox. Main car on Big Fox, of course. Um, but the weigh-in show, the pre-fight show, and the post-fight show, it will be me, Daniel Cormier, Brian Stan, and the champ, Chris Weidman. How about that quartet? That's going to be a lot of fun. Finally getting the chance to, uh, to flex my muscles. They asked me, oh, are you nervous, this and that? Yo, y'all must have forgot I do a three-and-a-half-hour live show every week to millions, to the millions and millions of my fans every single week. That was great. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be doing that this uh, Friday and Saturday, so I look forward to it for now. Let us answer some questions. We are running out of time. We have a lot to get to here. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I am here. Just fixing my headphones here. Ah, that sounds a lot better. I felt like I had blocked ears. Well, an eventful show. How about that? Nate Diaz. Incredible. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, first question. By the way, I should say that uh, we didn't get to the Luke Rockhold interview from Inside the Vault, but uh, you could just Google it. We have, I mean, I feel like with 18 minutes left in the show, people would rather hear us talk about the, uh, the news and the questions and the comments than go. We, we had the, the Sensei one. Yeah. It's good enough. It was the better one. It, it's a good one. Go seek it out. Luke yeah. Rockhold from 2009. Yes. Okay. Okay. Held and Brooks on the excellent Bellator card this Friday. Uh, both Marcin Held and Will Brooks really shown. What did you think of their performances? Just how much can Bellator do for these young elites' careers? Can you see any, them being poached by the UFC eventually, especially Brooks? He is magnif. 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 Um, yeah, I saw it by our guy James. Um, you see, this is a funny question because rest assured, Bellator is not letting these guys go. They need these guys. Uh, they're pushing Will Brooks very much. In fact, he was at the MTV Movie Awards. I saw him yesterday looking like a boss. Looked fantastic. You know, we're big fans of Will Brooks over here, and it's great that he's finally getting the attention and respect that he deserves. So I don't think that UFC will be able to poach them necessarily. I could see, I could see Bellator trying to hang on to those guys as long as possible. Held would have been a great addition to that Poland card on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Great performance. Brooks, a great performance as well. Um, well they, maybe they're next for each other. Is that possible? Maybe. They didn't really talk about what's next for, for Brooks after his win over Dave Jansen. I love Jansen's whole juggling gimmick on Friday. But, uh, yeah, impressive. I thought the Bellator show was solid. The Schilling fight, obviously, probably disappointing for them. Um, kind of interesting that Phoenix Jones lost for World Series of Fighting and Schilling lost for Bellator. Not comparing them as fighters, but they were kind of sort of the, uh, 
you know, the, the special fan attractions on, on both cards. Like guys who aren't fighting for the belt anytime soon, but fan favorites, if you will. And they both lost. So kind of a blow to both promotions on Friday. But the overall, two pretty entertaining shows. Next question, Phoenix Jones. Oh, there uh, he has is. the hype train left the building? Superheroes don't work on the ground too much. Capes get in the way. Uh, good one. Good one. And his opponent killed him on the mat. Some of the stand-up exchanges were nice, though. Back to the bat cave to improve takedown defense. A lot of puns. Um, yeah, that was that was a pretty big blow. That was a pretty big blow. Um, it was not a very inspiring performance. Uh, you know, he was very confident going into the fight. There was a lot of hype surrounding him, ESPN, all that good stuff, the MMA hour, et cetera. Uh, and and it just it just didn't happen. Now I don't say you cut him, don't kick him out just yet, but they need to build him back up at this point, especially when his opponent Manuelo wasn't really you know the the biggest name out there. So it's not like he can really run with whatever buzz and hype that Phoenix Jones had. Ben Fodor, that 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 was that. Phoenix Jones losing, in my opinion, was a bigger blow to World Series of Fighting than Joe Schilling losing for Bellator. Our next question, Crow Cop. Crow Cop had a great, exciting fight over the weekend, but he is 40 years old now. Do you think he should retire now and go out winning his last fight, or would you like to see more? I would love to see the rubber match. I, now, they didn't clarify, but I'm assuming this is Gonzaga, yeah, Gonzaga yeah. Crow Cop, uh, but don't think it will happen. Our main man, Jason, right? Jason, yep. Uh, UFC's biggest fans on wheels, on four wheels. Uh, much love and respect to him. Uh, I kind of said it at the beginning of the show that I would love in a perfect world for him to walk away. But again, who am I to tell a guy to walk away? Um, if I'm going to write the perfect story to end his career, this is a pretty damn good one. Come back to the UFC, beat the guy who beat you eight years ago, exercise those demons, do it in that fashion. It's tremendous. Do I think he's going to do it? Absolutely not. What do you think? No. He's he, nobody's going out. Are you like on that. board with me, or do you want to still see him fight? You know the the Barnets and the Nogueras mm. of the world. I'd be okay with Krokop continuing to fight. Heavyweights uh, tend to be on the older side as a as a division mm-hmm. and overall. Um, certainly, he has the mileage and the the wars that he's been in um, add up. But mm, I don't think he's one of the guys who I feel like this is approaching dangerous territory where. Um, he's really putting his health at more risk than anybody in particular. Um, so I don't have a problem with Crow Cop uh, continuing to fight. That said, um, you're certainly right that if he went out like this, it's it's the perfect ending. Um, but I don't I don't see it happening, and I don't really have a problem with it. On the flip side, he is a name. He's a guy that people get excited about. Still, a legend. Uh, you, you can't have too many of those. So. I don't foresee it happening. I'm just saying if I were able to write the perfect ending to Crow Cop's amazing career, it'd be a nice little story. But, yeah, I don't see it happening, and I could see him fighting perhaps Barnett, who doesn't have an opponent. Um, rematch with Ryan Nelson? No, I don't really see it. I mean, the Barnett one kind of makes a lot of sense. It's a good fight. Uh, next for uh, who should be next in line for Joanna Yanjacek? Yeah, uh, it would have made sense to make the Calderwood fight if she had won, but now it seems there is no clear contender in the division. Feels a bit early for Miraz, d- despite the great performance with only one UFC fight, but got to respect her efforts in calling out the champ. Yeah, I don't think the UFC would be doing her any favors by putting her in there with uh, Yanjacek just yet, but she did a tremendous job, especially for someone who doesn't speak the language. Wow, she doesn't speak Polish, she doesn't speak English, and yet we heard her loud and clear. And Joanna played up to her very well as well. She's brilliant at marketing and all that stuff. We've already covered that. The Calderwood fight, 
if you follow Joanne on Twitter, uh, you've seen her discuss it a little bit vague, but it seemed as though she was going through a lot behind the scenes, and it showed. It didn't seem like herself from the get-go. Uh, she just seemed out of it, but take nothing away from Marina. That was a fantastic debut, a fantastic performance. Still, I don't want to see her fight for the belt next. I think you have to go with Claudia Gadelia next. You know, don't don't let Joanna sit on the sidelines for too long and have the strawweights figure this thing out. You have a great rematch there. It was controversial. Claudia is considered one of the very best in the division. It makes all the sense in the world. The only downside, maybe, if you want to be a stickler, is that Claudia is actually coming off a loss. But remember, she... Okay, first we have to wait to see how, how healthy she is because that's a serious thing, back injury. She's supposed to fight this Saturday. If it's not too bad, then I would do, I, I, I would do Claudia on that spot. I would put her in there. Um, if it is too bad now, that's a whole other story. Um, she's coming off a loss, but we've seen that before. It was a controversial one to the champion. I'd say make it happen. That's the one, if she's healthy. Our next question, if, you, if uh, Chris Camozzi wins and Lyoto Machida and Luke Rockhold fight to a draw, is Chris <laughs> Camozzi next in line for a title shot? I mean, it's a crazy question. This is what I think this, this whole thing means. I think this means that if Luke Rockhold wins on Saturday, he'll be next. Now, of course, of course, the caveat is, don't forget, if Weidman loses, you know, a lot of crazy things happen. Weidman loses, he get a rematch, all that stuff. But let's just say Weidman wins and Rockhold wins. Regardless of what Jacare does, I think Rocco gets the fight. I think that you know he's in the main event. It's a huge win. I mean, you can't do much better than than beating Machida. Now, if he loses, if Machida wins and Jacare wins and Weidman wins, I think you go with Jacare. Now, the Weidman Machida fight was amazing, one of the best fights of last year. But still, something fresh. I think a lot of people, even if it's a win over Chris Camozzi, I think a lot of people would be down to see Jacare fight Weidman. That's a fantastic Styles matchup. He certainly deserves it. Former Strikeforce champ, etc., etc. So there are some options here. The Romero thing kind of messes it up, but I'm of the opinion. Look, I, I'll admit, and I want to hear your take because I know you're a big Jacare guy. At first, I was bummed. I was like, man, what, no, no Jacare on the card. It, it really takes something away from it. It felt like a little one-night tournament. And then in my mind, I was thinking, wow, I wonder if they'll put Jacare in Montreal. It's around the same time, Bisping, all that stuff. But, of course, you have the C.B. Dalway issue. And then they come out with Kamozi. I was given a tip before they announced it. And, and, and you know, they said they were going to announce it on TV during the broadcast. Someone said, it's a rematch. So I started looking. I was like, Tim Kennedy? Is he going to fight Tim Kennedy? No, I know he just had a kid, and he's kind of semi-retired. Derek Brunson, maybe? That would make sense. I'd even look at Kamozi. Because the fight was one-sided... I know his short notice. He's not in the UFC. And then they come out with Kamozi. And at first, I was like, wow. You know, I don't mind the fight that much. I love a good Rocky story. I love it. But the first fight was one-sided. Hey, crazier things have happened. So more power to the guy. I wonder if he, in fact, really was the only guy to campaign for it, as Dana White alluded to. But at least we're getting to see Jacare in action. And that has to be the silver lining, right? If you're a fan and you bought the ticket, at least your guy is still fighting. Better than nothing. Yeah. Keep keep the uh, the guy that the people came to see on the card, um, but it raises a good question: What does a win like this on short notice do for a guy like Kamozi? Where does that put him in the kind of oh, it's crazy. picture? It's kind of like when Brandon Vera got that shot against Shogun Hua. You'll see on Fox Four. Remember, it was yeah. that one night tournament, and all of a sudden it was Brandon Vera, Shogun Hua, Ryan Bader, Leona Machida. Remember that mess? Bader lost to Jones. Machida had just lost to Jones in his last fight. Vera was annihilated by Jones when, when, he, when he met him before fighting for the belt. 
and and Shogun lost him in Jones's first title fight. And they were fighting in this one night tournament to determine who would be next, the most impressive win, all that stuff. There was no good answer there. This one's a little different, but yeah, I, I just don't foresee I don't foresee Rockhold Machida. I mean, I think if Machida let's say Machida wins and Kamozi wins, right? I think you go with Machida. I don't know. I mean, Kamozi shoots up. There's no doubt about it. Does he, though? I feel like we've seen cases where it doesn't work out that way. I think um, he should. You beat Jacare? I, I think it should. If you beat Jacare, you should be in the title picture. But I don't know what the, I don't know what the precedent is for this. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fight for sure. Um, okay. Let's see. What, is, uh, what, 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 what was the last uh, – the finish came out what time? I think it was like four minutes, three minutes, somewhere in that range. The The impressiveness was not how quickly in the first round he finished him, but w- how quickly once he applied the arm triangle that he put Kamozi to sleep. Yeah, it was 3.37 of the first round. Remember, that was a short notice fight as well. But difference is, Kamozi was supposed to fight on that card. I believe, if memory serves me correct, he was supposed to fight Hafa and Natal. So he was in fight shape, and he was kind of preparing for a similar fight. Oh, now, Natal and, and Jacare on two different levels right now, but similar fighter. And, you know, he was fighting on that date. He knew it. He last fought March 6th of this year. You know, he was released by the UFC after losing to Natal in September. And he's 2-0 since then. But he's, he's fought on, on local shows. Uh, he won the Prize FC middleweight title in November and then defended it successfully in March. Two very quick fights, first-round finishes. But he wasn't necessarily preparing to fight this weekend. So that's a different, you know, factor at play as well. My question to you is, three minutes and 30, uh, 37 seconds, does Jacare win before that? Does he do it in, in quicker fashion? Uh, um, I don't like predicting uh, I'm asking rounds. You. I don't like predict, predicting you know over, under, a round and a half, that type of stuff. Um, I'll say Kabozi lasts longer this time. I'll say having been in there with Jacare once, he kind of got yeah. the experience he needed. I, that experience I actually, being choked I actually asleep. agree. I agree. Um, but I don't think he wins the fight, right, unfortunately. Right. All right. Benson Henderson looks like his campaign to get onto the UFC 186 card didn't work. I was looking forward to Benson versus Jorge Masvidal at 170 because of the short notice. On his Twitter, though, he says he got another fight lined up. Who do you think it is? What division do you think it's in? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be uh, Benson versus Masvidal 170. I don't think it's going to be Benson at UFC 186 in Montreal. I know some fans were excited about that. You know, right now, let me play. You know, when, when you see me on UFC tonight and all that, and I'm officially reporting things, I come with the information. I'll tell you where I stand right now as far as Benson Henderson. I'm moving my hands a lot here. I'll tell you where I stand right now with Benson Henderson from what I'm hearing. The latest is that more than likely it will be the Michael Johnson fight. But that has yet to be made official, yet to be announced, all that stuff. I could see it happening around July um, from what I've been told. Look, I'm not on, on, on the, the wire right now. I'm not talking to people. But that's the last time I checked in on Benson Henderson. I wanted to report about him last Wednesday, but uh, it wasn't 100% just yet. So my news might be or my information might be a little, but it's not going to be 186 and Last I checked, it seemed like more than likely it was going to be Johnson at 155. So we'll see what happens there. And again, remember, Johnson was campaigning for that fight. He agreed. He's down to fight anyone. Um, I know Jeremy Botter reported, which I can't confirm, that he does have one fight left on his contract. So it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Benson Henderson's stock has never been higher than it is right now. He wins this fight. He cashes in big time, in my opinion, becomes a very interesting free agent in the world of MMA. So... We'll see what happens. I, I foresee his fight 
happening sooner rather than later, by the way. And if it does happen in July, let's just say I wouldn't be surprised because, remember, I challenged him to the basketball game in July, and, of course, he's not going to fight around that time. So curious that he would find it out. Just saying. Uh, we're moving on to Twitter questions. Uh, does Nick Newell's victory over Condon return him to must-see TV status? You know, I don't know. It, it didn't feel the same this time around. Of course, he was coming off that loss to Justin Gaethje in July. It had been quite some time since we saw him. Wow, it felt like forever. He had the biggest smile on his face. He did what he had to do, um, but it didn't quite feel the same. Um, you know, it was, it was a solid decision win, but it, it, didn't, have, it didn't, didn't leave... The same. Did you did you feel the same? Do you agree with me? I don't know how to really put my finger on it, how to describe it, but it didn't quite feel the same. Mm, no, I mean, yeah, I don't know how to describe it either. I mean, the fight with Gaethje was incredible. He showed a lot of heart, and uh, that was a great back-and-forth fight. This one, I mean, you know, there'll be performances like this. I'm sure um, he wasn't thrilled with, you know, with the victory. It wasn't his most dominant performance, but... Sometimes you just got to get it done, and he got it done. You know, when he fought Gaethje, he was undefeated. There was a lot of buzz. He was fighting for the belt, and and you know it didn't go his way. And he and he, he was was dominated by a, a better fighter at the time. Now we see how he rebounds. He needs to get some momentum. I hope that he's not injured or anything. He could get back in there relatively soon. I know that's been kind of a problem for some of the World Series of Fighting fighters, but uh, you know I think he needed some kind of finish, some kind of submission course with him you know you know what he's dealing with and that's part of the appeal that's part of his story and the fight was just kind of there um so not taking i mean anytime the guy fights it's amazing it's an unbelievable story it's one of the best stories in mma but it didn't feel like must see tv like we had called it in the past that's all i'm saying i don't think any and of maybe the fights, that's a good thing i don't know well i don't think any of the fights from here on out are going to be that way anymore maybe um but that doesn't mean he can't have you know a great career, eventually be champion, anything like that. But I don't think, I think the undefeated streak um, and getting up to that point was where you could sell it as must-see TV. But now that he's lost, I don't think that the same shine is there anymore. Um, now, if he becomes champion, I think that that may return um, that kind of shine. But until that point, I don't think people are going to be tuning in as uh, vigorously. Yeah. Uh, next question, or final question, rather, from Twitter. Is UFC 186 one more injury away from being canceled? Should it be canceled, oh in your opinion? Well, it depends on the injury. I mean, it depends on who gets injured. If it's a lower-level guy, no. If it's Demetrius, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, should it be canceled? No. And I'll tell you why. I know there are people who have tickets. I know there are people who are excited. It's you see... I feel very strongly about UFC 186, almost like biased in a sense. Like, I hate that this has happened to a Montreal card. It's been so long since there been, there, there's been a big show in Montreal. And Montreal is an amazing fight town. Montreal's been supporting MMA since long before the UFC was a player in Canada. You know, Montreal was the mecca of MMA before Dana White was calling it that. Montreal was the mecca of MMA in Canada 100% before Ontario was legalizing shows. TKO, Stefan Patry, all that stuff. I mean, all the best. And even guys who are outside of Canada made a name for themselves in Montreal. And, and it bums me out. Look, I was, I was kind of down on the card when it had TJ Dillashaw and Burrell on it. I was down on the card when Rory McDonald was fighting Hector Lombard in the co-main event. And Rampage was on the card. It didn't feel like a card that belonged in Montreal. 
And now, of course, we know what happened uh, to it. So it's it's disappointing. It's disheartening. But look, let's let's. I want to try to be positive about UFC 186. And if you're going to be in town, one more thing to get excited about on the Friday morning. I didn't mention this last week. On the Friday morning before the show, April 24th at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. So get your sleep on Thursday. I'll be hosting a panel about the business of MMA. It's uh, it's it's something that the uh, the 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 Jewish Congress, what is it? The JCC. Damn it! I I, I don't even JCC. What does it stand for? The uh, the Jewish Congress of Canada. I believe that's what it stands for. The uh, this organization in Montreal asked me to host this panel, and I had to com- to to put together the panel. So I got David Loazzo, Tom Wright, and Forrest Griffin. We're going to be speaking to people. It's a breakfast, thirty dollars downtown, the Plaza Hotel in Montreal. I've tweeted the link to it, Facebooked it, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, meet and greet. You can meet all the guys. I think it's going to be a lot of fun talking about the, the business and the rise of MMA and the state of mixed martial arts in Canada. We'll talk to that, uh, to Tom Wright about that. And also Forrest Griffin will be there. D- David Loazzo just opened a gym in Montreal. That's a reason to come to Montreal for UFC 186. You don't get that at every single card. So, um, so I hope a lot of people who listen to the show will be there. It's open to anyone. And, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. But uh, it sucks when they cancel cards because, look, there's a lot of fighters who have been preparing and and have big fights. You know, there's Thomas Almeida on the card, and Sarah Kaufman has been waiting for a fight for a very long time. Alexis Davis looking to rebound. Uh, Yves Jabouin looking to get back on track as well. Uh, John McDessie's on the card. Of course, Michael Bisping and C.B. Dalloway, Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, I'm trying to get us excited here. There's, There's stuff to get excited about. So let's try to be positive about it. And, uh, well, we'll have a lot of time to do that next week on the show. For now, it's all about UFC on Fox 15. It's this Saturday in New York, New Jersey. Luke Rockhold versus Leona Machida. Let me ask you one question. Yep. You probably know about the line, the Paige Van Zandt fight, right? No, I haven't looked at it, but I, if I had to guess, I would say that Paige is a favorite. Crazy? Minus 132 plus 118. Mm, no, that's not crazy. All right. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's some, there may be some value there on, on Felice, but um, it doesn't shock me. And, you know, a lot of times these, these, you know, people don't want to admit somebody's talent just because they're young and attractive or whatever the case may be uh, before they prove it. But maybe she is as good as that line would say she is. So we'll see. Gordon Dempsey. Uh, Gordon's got to be the favorite. Correct. Brandau Hedis. Brandau. Correct. Sullivan Means. Means. Correct. Sterling Mizugaki. Huh. Damn. Mm. Come on, man. We, we Mizugaki. I'm bringing no underdogs. Mizugaki. No. Sterling, minus 258. Mizugaki. That's interesting. Okay. You're not down. Uh. You're not down with Sterling. It's not that I'm not down with Sterling. I would have expected Mizugaki to be the okay. favorite, but okay. Anderson Volante. Anderson. Correct. Um, minus 258. Now, this one, I'm not going to go out and say it's people's main event because I'm not going to get crazy, but it's probably the fight that I'm most interested in outside of Rockhold, Machida. OSP, this? Patrick Cummins. I'm, I'm fascinated by this fight. I love this fight. Oh, What's OSP's last fight? Is that the knockout of Shogun? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Cummins because of his wrestling. Mm-hmm. But, Our main man Cummins. 
but I I think the line will be close. Yeah, minus 123, plus 114. Yeah, that makes sense. Whoa, how about this? Okay, well, I just gave it away. What? Dariush Miller. Well, yeah, then your reaction would make me think that Dariush is the favorite. Did you did you think that? No, I would have thought Miller. Dariush sure. is the favorite. Minus 172, Jim Miller plus 160. Yeah, I would have I would have thought Miller's the favorite. And wow. That might be an interesting one to bet on for an underdog, for sure. Wow. Um, and then Van Zant Herrig. Now, Dariush's last performance was very oh, he good. He looks fantastic. It's Jim Miller. Jim Miller, by the way, number one candidate. You almost forgot, of course. I mean, holy man. Even now. Uh, Max Holloway, Cub Swanson. Cub. Close. Minus 144, plus A lot of close lines so far. A lot of close. Okay, how about this one? Jacare Camozzi. Stop it. No, but just, just try to guess the line. Oh, I think I saw it on Twitter. I think it's like something like minus 1,200 or something for Jacare. And like plus yeah, minus six 11, or... Minus 1,100 plus 926. Yeah. Are you surprised it's that close? And I'm not trying to be an a-hole here, but just considering. No, no, no I, don't, I don't. You think it should that, be? That's, that's about right, I okay. think, yeah. Um, and finally, Rockhold Machida. Rockhold. But, yeah, Rockhold. Very close. Minus 133 plus 123 a lot of under minus 150 fights less than a lot of less what than two mean? to one fights a lot okay. of close fights it means um you know miller dariush seemed pretty close van zant herrig uh Machida, that's, that's a good card uh, rockhold yeah very very well matched it seems uh is, at least according to the betting lines that's um, one of the closer main cummins events. Yeah. osp close um sterling mizugaki i think was close so yeah this is year four of, fights. of the UFC on Fox relationship, but they waited for such a good card to to roll me out as host. <laughs> I mean, is, is this it, the best one? No, I don't know about that. It's pretty damn good from it top to bottom, especially when Romero was on it. It was oh, freaking man. awesome. Romo, Mar- Romero Jacare. <sighs> I mean, Eddie Gordon, tough winner. I know he's coming off a loss. He's the curtain jerker. Yeah, there, I don't think there's any fight where you don't know. Oh, the no. fighters. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Fox main card is, is, is great. You know, let's just pretend Romero's on it. But the, the, the prelims, because the first three fights that I mentioned, uh, Sullivan Means, Brandao Hedis, Dempsey Gordon, those are fight pass. But then the next four are on Fox as well. It's not FS1 or anything like that. And those are legit fights. Mizugaki Sterling, Volante Anderson, Cummins, St. Pru, and Miller Dariush. All very good fights. All Fox-worthy in that sense. You know, I, I remember they did this... I think it was last year. It was, no, it was in, yeah, it was in uh, San Jose, and the prelims were on Big Fox, and they weren't really Fox-worthy, to be honest. These ones, I'm fine with telling someone to watch this. This is all high-level stuff. It's a good card. Yeah. So that's this Saturday. I'll be there. And uh, if anyone's there as well, there's uh, open workouts Wednesday in New York UFC gym, and then the uh, media day is Thursday, and then the weigh-ins are in Newark. Uh, I love it. It's a home game. I ain't going nowhere. No planes for me. That does it for us. We have run out of time, my friends. No more MMA talk this week, so let us say goodbye. You can hit my music. What a fun show. I love when things come out of nowhere, and the show gets a little better as the day goes on. Mark Ramundi, thank you very much for stopping by and talking to us about judging in MMA. We didn't mention a certain name, and that's going to be the, the case around these parts for quite some time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, consider yourself lucky. Mark Coleman, all the best to him. Great to hear from him. We wish him nothing but good health and 
good times in the future and hopefully he can get past this point and get that surgery and be able to thank everyone who has helped him out. Amazing stuff. The beauty of MMA, once again, this community that we talk about really coming through for the hammer. Congratulations to Felipe Nover for getting back into the UFC. Great to hear from him as well. One of our own, Brooklyn's own, Felipe Nover, returning May 16th in Manila. Good luck. All the best, Chris Lieben. Good luck with that book. Check it out on Amazon. You can pre-order it right now, as I said. I bet there's a lot of great stories in that thing. Thank you very much to Eddie Gordon and Aljamain Sterling for stopping by in studio. Wish them the best this weekend. Gordon versus Dempsey. Sterling versus Mizugaki. Great hanging out with them, getting to learn more about them. And a big weekend for New York MMA this Saturday. And, of course, thank you very much to the one and only Nate Diaz. Hope all works out. Thank you so much for stopping by. That was amazing stuff. Nate Diaz, finally on the MMA Hour. We're off until next Monday. Back same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.